We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, let's go. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you haven't tuned in yet, that means you are probably watching the Woeful Sixers, right? Is that what's happening? Turn that off and get up in here. I got my girl, Iman. Iman, say what's up to the people. What is up, people? I did not have myself on mute, but I did. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. And I got, y'all know who I got up here. Choppy Baby himself, Mr. Alex. Alex, introduce yourself. Say what's up to the people. What's up? I would never watch the Sixers over an episode of Mixed Bag, just to make that that's, clear. That's it. That's it. So um, I got my people here, and y'all know how we like to do. We like to roll right into it, but I just want to say rest in peace to my St. Louis Cardinals. Y'all made it to the playoffs, and y'all got y'all ass waxed. I'm a little sad. There's nothing I could do about it, but I just want to put that out there on Front Street. So now we're just going to take it away. All right, so guys, we are finished with preseason. Tonight is the first night of the regular season. Neither one of our respective teams are playing, and that's why we are here. So let's just roll right into it. Aman, I'm going to come to you first. Why don't you tell us about some of the positive takeaways that you found while you were watching the Raptors in the preseason? Ooh, nothing on the offensive end, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of the the positive takeaways uh, from the Raptors regular season uh, preseason, honestly, just how in line they seem defensively. To start off the year last year, they were one of the worst defenses in the league, and it wasn't. It was mainly because the scheme is so aggressive. Like the the defense that Nick Nurse runs is so aggressive, and when you have a bunch of guys that are six nine, seven two wingspans, it makes sense. But working a rookie into that. Right. Very difficult task. Working into that without your Pascal Siakam, your best player, very difficult task. And so to watch them in the preseason kind of look like they're on the string, look like they're in, sure, there was some miscues, it's preseason, but like it just, you could see how suffocating it was already in the early goings, whereas it took until mid-December to really get there last year, I think mm -hmm. just shows how in step this team is and why I think that they're probably going to come out <clears throat> crushing, just like the Heat. You know, that right. continuity really, really does help. Um, I'm just thinking about that. Like, I, I like to look at defenses of having, like, a, a quarterback. So I say for the okay. Heat, personally, like, Bam is the quarterback. Yeah. First of all, Bam's the quarterback. Bam's the corner. Bam is the D-line. It's Bam, right? right? And then everything else kind of moves around Bam. Um, who would you say would be your defensive quarterback? 
See, I think that what makes the Raptors so unique is you can have lineups. I think, you know, their best defensive lineup has Precious at the five. It has Precious mm-hmm. as the guy that's anchoring it, which I imagine as someone who, you know, my, my knowledge of football comes down to who's who's performing at Super Bowl. Um, that <laughs> is the only time that I'm going to catch anything. Rihanna. But um, it, this year, so I will be watching it um, just for that, <laughs> nothing else. Um, but um, uh, so, so to, like, you know, if Precious is in there. He's your sort of five anchoring it. I mm-hmm. think that most lineups have OG Ananobi as sort of the guy that's doing that because he has been consistently the Raptors' best player. He can anchor a defense. But the Raptors are so unique in that it does change. It can be a Pascal Siakam. I think the Raptors use him best free safety as a free safety mm-hmm. football line uh, where he's out there roaming and he's out there sort of acting as your free safety there. But because the Raptors just have so many like-sized guys that share very similar skill sets, it does change. Um, Mm. But I would say that going into the season, it's going to be OG or Precious, depending on who's in there, as your guys that are anchoring this team's defense. Okay. Um, Alex, what do you, I mean, if you, if you had to pick one, OG or Precious, where would, where would you go? (laughs) As, As somebody who had to watch Precious and look, Precious is cool. He was a good pick. I think, I mean, Best ever. Let me not get into that because yeah, I, yeah I don't think get it. It's a really, don't a really get into that right now. Topic for Heat fans. Let me not bring on Tyrese Max here, Desmond Bain. Let me not do that. Don't but, do that right uh, now. Between Precious and OG, I'm taking OG, man. Like I, I see the upside with Precious. I see the way they're, that they're building him out. He definitely fits for the way that the Raptors operate and are, you know, this vision of uh, having a bunch of six ten dudes on the floor at the same time, other than like Fred Van Vliet, like. He definitely fits there because he he's the type of guy who can grow into, I think, becoming a, a, a kind of a versatile stretch big where he's obviously not running the offense or anything, but Precious can do stuff, right? And, you know, he was very raw when he was here. They used him as a kind of traditional uh, screen and roll center while he was here. He wasn't doing very much outside of that role. And uh, he obviously has grown since then. All that being said, I'm taking OG. Uh, the growth he's shown throughout these past few seasons is, you know, uh, he's, he's really impressive, man. He's gotten better every year. I think if you're the Raptors, you're trying to win right now, trying to compete right now, you play your five best players, right? I, I see the the vision. If you want to bring one of those guys off the bench, I think OG, Siakam, you know, Van Bleet, all those guys are starters. Scotty Barnes, you got to start that guy. There's no way I'm starting Precious over Scotty Barnes. I, I You know, play Precious a good amount of minutes. But uh, play your five best guys, I would say. <laughs> I agree. No, here, I, when, when I say sort of anchoring the defense, if Precious is at the five, sort of being your nominal center and anchoring your defense, OG is still starting. He's at the three. He's, he's on your wing. Right. Like, he's on the wings. Yeah. Still there. It's just about – So, but there, it, it is an actual debate. Uh, what, you're, what you're bringing up is who – do you start Precious at two? I think a lot of Raptor fans want Precious starting, and that would mean Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench in kind of your Tyler Hero role, which I don't think is a Gary Trent Jr. role. I don't know that mm. he can do that. I'm right. against that. I agree with you. Start your five best, and that includes Gary Trent Jr. starting lineup and Precious as your first uh, coming off the bench. Um, and it's funny because you kind of started with uh, the the offense not looking so good. So that kind of leads to where I wanted to go with the second half of this. Um, let's talk a little bit about the offense because I the second part of this was any noticeable red flags. So I would assume at this point it would be a particular area of the offense. Well, yeah, so their half-court offense is abysmal and was last year um, because they just can't shoot the ball. They don't have enough shooters there. 
uh, Precious in the second half of the season randomly became a 40% three-point shooter on like four attempts a game, which is just wild <laughs> to think about. Um, and, you know, who knows if that's something that he can replicate. The Raptors right. would desperately need him to be able to do that. Um, but if you look at the Raptors roster right now, they've got Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and OG Ananobi as your three three-point shooters. You can't have a roster of free three-point shooters. They brought in Otto Porter to help with that, but he's going to be hurt to start the year out. So they're right. really going to need Pascal to show. And Pascal is fine as sort of a catch-and-shoot guy in the corner specifically, but nowhere else. And you really want the ball in Pascal's hands. If he can bring a little bit of that pull-up three game, first of all, he's uh, <laughs> in the MVP conversation if he can do something like that because that's an insane ask of somebody. Right. Um, but the Raptors are desperately going to need some of that from him. And they're going to need Precious to show what he can do last year in terms of shooting the three at such a high rate uh, mm-hmm. on, on, high, on, um, on high attempts as well. So to me, it's, it's the Raptors' half-court offense. They were really, really bad on that last year. The reason why they were semi-decent, if you look at their offensive rating, is because they got a shit ton, sorry. <laughs> they got a it's ton okay. of <laughs> offensive boards. They got a ton of offensive boards, and they just get out and transition and run. They right. get stops, and they get out and transition and run. Their transition offense is elite, and they get a lot of second-chance opportunities. But that doesn't mean anything if you kick it out to a guy and it's Precious Achua and he's going to absolutely break the three. Like they just need some three-point shooters. And right now they just, they don't have any. Right. Um, Alex. Alex. You want me to just go right? Yeah. Look, yeah. Go ahead. Go yeah. The, no, right, dude. You prepped this for this. You're, you're right. Yeah. I should have been more ready as a, <laughs> as a shooter. I should have been ready to shoot the ball there. I'm See, just we, can't so the... we can't have that. We can't have that in the perimeter. You can't right. kick it out to someone. He faked it. He faked it. He faked it. That's something that Duncan Robinson would have done last season, I think. It's maybe like in November, December specifically. But I'm used to the five on the floor model where Ethan is always talking and then he points to me when it's my turn, you know. So it's very <laughs> it's very much more like a Mavs offense uh, with five on the floor. But, oh, so uh, it's, it's dribble, dribble, dribble. Yeah, no, everything is very organized. Like I get my set shots and I got to deliver in that set time. So that's what I'm going to try to do now. And I agree with Iman. Like I think um, I I think it makes more sense for them to start Trent, uh, bring Precious off the uh, off the bench, still play him a good amount of minutes. Like I think the amount of depth they have with uh, obviously bringing on Otto Porter, that young is going to be a playable guy for them still. Um, you know, I don't think like Malachi Flynn is going to be a part of the rotation or anything, but they're bringing up other guys like uh, Delano Banton and um, uh, I'm forgetting the other dude's name, Justin. I never know how to pronounce his last name. Champagne? Do we like, yes. That, I like, exactly. I like, yes. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of all of these names. Like, they're just getting good, guys. All these playable <laughs> players and, and they're all like yeah. six, seven yeah. or above and Van Vliet is still really good. Siakam is really good. OG is really good. Trent is a very good player. I think he's better suited as a starter than a six man too. Like the Raptors are just going to be a really good, annoying team. And I think one of many really good teams in the league, which are, you know, just hinting at what we're going to get at later. <laughs> okay. Um, Alex, I'm, I'm going to, now we're going to flip this and we're going to come to you. So let's let's talk about some of the positive takeaways that you saw during the heat this preseason. I'm sorry, was that for me? I think I lost you for a second. Yes. What was the question? You're all for two. I literally did not hear the question. (laughs) It's basically the same run that we just did with Iman. We want to talk about the positives that you took from the heat this preseason. 
Okay. Okay. Well, that's easy. I think Nikola Jovic and Jamal Kane, like they, those mm-hmm. two guys just in themselves, I think make you feel good about um, the heat step. And that was kind of like the main overarching theme that came mm-hmm. out from all of this, not that preseason basketball, you know, it's something that you got to take away a lot from. I just think Jovic and Jamal Kane, you know, were standouts in every single game in whatever time they did get, whether it was uh, with their main players or, right. you know, in these, kinds of units that you're never going to see during the season playing with exhibit exhibit 10 guys like those guys stood out no matter where they were no matter what type of role they were playing in and those are two guys who i think positionally um can fill in in, into what the heat need right from having extra you know needing an extra four i think Jovich is going to get those minutes right i think he's going to get some of those minutes and i wasn't Mm -hmm. really expecting that before the season i think highsmith uh my bad my bad i forgot we're on mixed bag here his name is hamish on this show uh it's really hamish now him. yeah that's the thing i was expecting him to get more minutes um you know he's solid um, not to say anything bad about him but i think Jovic was just that impressive yeah. that impressive as a 19 year old it's like you got to play him you got to give him some time he looked yeah. good with the starters um so those guys were the to me the the most the easiest things to point at and be like okay this is what's different from last season right especially after this whole summer with the talk was about either running it back and then after losing PJ, running it back, just the worst version of what they had last season. So these two, you know, are, are, are nice things to to point at. And then obviously you got, I think, Tyler and Bam kind of showcasing different things and, and limited time. I think that things that they've been working on throughout the summer. So to me, those are the things that, that stand out from the Heat uh, right. throughout this preseason. And I think we should just say, like, yeah, they lost PJ, but – the, the magnification of the loss is yet to be determined. Like you, you don't really know what you lost because you think you may have added a few things. And the, and, and, and the downside is we also saw what he started looking like towards the end of the season, the injury seemed to come, you know, fast and furious and, and the offense just really dipped off. So yeah, you lost him, but we don't we don't really know what that looks like yet. So I kind of like I want to I don't really want to beat that drum the way people think that like the world ended. You know, it's like it, it didn't end. You got other guys, and sometimes it may take more than one guy to kind of make up that area. And I feel like that that's a strength that the Heat have. They can find multiple guys and plug them in at various points of the game. And the collective sometimes is better than that one person. So we don't really know what's happening yet. And, you know, I wish PJ all the best at losing, but it is what it is. Like, we, we'll move on from that. Um, I, I agree. I am I am all about little daddy Kane. I think Jamal Kane is going – I think by the end of the season, we will be looking at him a lot differently than we look at him right now. Um, by far during preseason, he was, he was, I, I don't know. He had that PJ type energy about getting to the rebounds, getting on the floor, hustling the defense. And that goes, he just played harder than everyone on the team during preseason. Like, and, and it's okay to say that because some guys are proven. They're not going to go out there. They're not going to like give you a hundred percent because they know what it is. But he worked hard and he was showing that he belonged on the big stage. So whether he gets one minute or 10 minutes a game, 
this kid is, I, I actually think he's going to be something. Like, I, I really do, especially if he puts on a couple of pounds. I, I really think he's going to be something. Same here. And, and I you know, think, like, I could, the, I could be wrong. The weight thing, like, he's stronger than I thought he was, by the way. I Like, he right. came in, and I'm like, okay, this is skinny 19-year-old. We knew that he played in a, you know, technically a professional league. He played with grown men. That was something that was touted for him. And it, it actually shows in his game. Like, he was a quicker processor than I thought, even though, you know, I, he came in with the 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 interest was he's a 6'11 guy who has guard skills. But the difference yeah. is, it's like he, he's doing this guard stuff while also kind of playing this hybrid big role and right. screening well, uh, reading the game at a high level, you know, just stuff that would seem very basic as far as like when to throw a bounce pass, when to lob it up. He's making the decisions quickly and, and processing the floor just in his first right. couple of preseason games when everybody who comes into the league, whether it's from college, or other leagues will talk about the speed of the game. And even though there might be a little bit more uh, comfy spacing and, you know, stars might get comfier, you know, nicer calls in general, right. the NBA is like such an adjustment when, when you hear guys talk about it and for Jovic to stand out like that, despite, you know, the, you know, these uh, supposed physical limits, right. It's, it's very right. much uh, encouraging. So I think, you know, he's not as skinny as I might've thought. He's not as slow laterally as maybe we were kind of, uh, he might be not that you know he's bam out of bio on defense but right he's probably quicker than yurt he's probably quicker than deadman um no he's definitely he, quicker. He did a pretty good job yeah like holding his own i, I think i don't know man I, I think he's a really good fit he's doing stuff um you know off ball the way that he was helping on defense is i mean his hands are really really active had that uh, one big rebounding game like he's kind of shown a little bit of everything Right. Well, I think you want with the young guys and I feel like, you know, with the Raptors and with the Heat, with the young guys, you want them to be alert. You want them to be able to be coachable. You want them to have some sort of even if it's a raw skill set to work with. Like you need those things because you need the young guys. I don't care how many vets you have with the way the injuries go and the long season. You need young guys that can go out there and compete and maybe they need to play four games, five games, injuries happen. So it's like you want these guys to be prepared because if not, we we saw last season the way teams were just dropping off with all the injuries. And, you know, you go back to COVID and all these things. Like you need these guys to be prepared, whether they're drafted or undrafted. Because at this point, once you step on the court, it doesn't matter if you're drafted or undrafted. You're there, you're getting paid to perform. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think that's just what it is. Um, Alex, what did you see as a red flag, though? Oh, man. You hit me with a good one there, trying to hold me accountable. Um, yes. <laughs> it's tough because I don't want to be uh, – shout out Leif, who's going to host Hangover Time tomorrow, by the way, just to tease that. Uh, I don't want to be a sunshine pumper here. I just didn't take away that many red flags. Maybe just because the summer was kind of a, a red flag all on its own. It was very right. – I think the way that it was not covered, but the – the, the fan reaction was damn near miserable, right? And I understand why, right? Because you had the, the the highs of the expectations with Duran and Mitchell, and then it all just, you know, came catering. I mean, uh, <laughs> it went down a cliff, and uh, and it was just Jovic, right? The, that was the one difference. Now we've got him standing out. You've got Jamal Kane standing out. I mentioned that already, but just trying to think of, like, red flags, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, Kyle? But regardless, like, I don't really – I wasn't expecting Kyle to get into preseason with any sort of verb. Like, I've already seen the way he manages 
the regular season. I was not, you know, expecting Kyle to come out full force. He had the one game versus the Nets where he looked very good. So even like saying that, it's like right. I know how Kyle and Jimmy, Kyle and Jimmy, excuse me, are like going about this. And so right. I'm not necessarily worried about those guys. It's like um, Anita was talking about this on, on one of the last five on the floor. They have like guys in different stages of their careers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the guys, we, we talked about the young guys, right? Uh, the guys who are kind of now coming into the middle of their prime, whether or the beginning of their prime, whether it's Tyler Bam, I talked about that earlier. And then, so all that's left is those vets, but I'm not worried about them. Like I know what yeah. Jimmy and Kyle bring. I've been one of the people um, saying, give Kyle a chance because everybody's been really, really down on him here. Um, and just the way that the playoffs ended, right. <clears throat> excuse me, him playing through the hamstring. Um, I think it's really going to be one of those seasons where between Kyle and Tyler specifically, it's going to be a um, do it in the playoffs thing. And it's kind of yeah. toxic, but that's where we are. It's going to be like yeah. none of this really matters right. until you do it in the playoffs because they were both really good regular season players last year. I mean, and let's, you know, and, and Amon, you know, as well, like, let's be realistic. It should be said for the entire Heat team, except for Jimmy. Like, we, it's okay to be like, no, that's all y'all. Not just, you know, naming one or two guys. Like, you know, let's be realistic. If he had a, a, a monochrome of help in that last game, we would be talking about them in the finals. Like, we, I'm not just going to point to Tyler, Kyle, Max, and – Meanwhile, I'm naming everybody that's injured that's still played. You know, like, no, other guys that were fully healthy, they didn't show up either. So it is what it is. I will say this, though. I want Kyle to be selfish. Shoot the ball. I don't care. Shoot that shot. They going under the screen, shoot it. I don't care. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so I want you. him shooting at least – seven or eight more times than he did last year game. I don't make a miss. Shoot it. That's not going to happen. It's not, but that's what you need. I Why? just want it to happen in open, the playoffs. If you're open, you shoot it. I'm not looking for a better shot. Cause you, in your mind, if you got, if you're open, you should think you're the shot. Like I'm, I'm not looking for, and he's the got other. it. He's one of the exactly. only guys on the, on the roster who has that shot in the bag. And it doesn't, yep. it doesn't take a lot on his legs. I mean, I know it takes legs to take a jump shot from that far over a defense. Like, obviously it takes a lot, but just but in, he's in the got sense the of like, shot. he doesn't have to like try to get to the rim and, and, you nope. know, make an athletic play. He's got to take the shot when it's there. I'm a hundred percent with yeah. you. It's just, that was the battle with him all last season where it's like, he's able to be really effective without it. But especially, and I think when the playoffs came and you saw, especially against the Celtics, like we expected them to switch. They were dropping pretty much the entire se yeah. uh, series. And Kyle and Tyler were supposed to be the drop killers other than what Duncan and Max can do coming off of handoffs, which uh, also counts for that as well. But just as on-ball shooters, pull-up shooting threats, yeah. Kyle was supposed to be that during the playoffs. And so I think Kyle and Tyler playing together will help each other out so yeah. that they won't be the main, you know, they're kind of like taking some of the pressure off of um, – each other to be those shooting threats but i think uh you know the emergence of, of the re-emergence of those guys legs hopefully yeah. <laughs> in the playoffs should give us a better sample size i just know it's uh, kind of a a cop-out at this point but that's how that's where i'm at i was gonna ask i, I have not watched a single uh miami heat preseason game like i i'm a sicko but there's levels to to how much like, <laughs> preseason i can really truly consume um but i was gonna ask i, I don't know what his body looks like but i do know that with Kyle specifically when he like if, if I'm looking back at like his Raptor years his most slim seasons and granted he was a he was a different player with the Raptors mm -hmm. than he is now just because 
being you know 34 and under yeah. versus being 36 is a significant difference especially for an undersized point guard who has hamstring issues uh and right. back issues um but you i think if i looked back at the numbers and i'm going back to like i'm imagining 2016 which was skinny lowry year mm-hmm. the amount of pull-up threes that he took and how how far out he was the range that he had on his shot it was because his legs were there and you saw it and Mm -hmm. he had the core strength to be able to do that and you can see it in his shot uh because he has that like you know kind of it's a little ugly like that side shot that he takes but you can like so you can actually see his entire court and you can tell that shot is going to be short or that shot is not even it's like not even going to be close to the rim versus this is going in and I do think that his body is going to matter so much in that Mm -hmm. and one thing about Kyle is um one thing that he's learned because he was the type of player it was very obviously he's never had the athleticism or the raw energy of a Westbrook but you know how Westbrook operates on one speed only like if Westbrook is out there Westbrook is going at Westbrook speed that was Lowry for the vast majority of his career and then he had the back injury and Mm. he was the worst version I've ever seen of himself in 2015 and from that point forward when he came back it was like oh, no, 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 we're going to pace myself. And that meant pacing himself for half of the regular season. That meant pacing himself for the preseason. And, like, and he'll still throw his body on the ground. But, like, it was a huge shift. And, like, I think one of the biggest criticisms of him earlier on was that he did not know how to do that because he could Mm -hmm. only play on one speed. And now you're like, buddy, it's like, you know, we're fighting for the one seat. Maybe a little bit less of your pacing yourself and a little (laughs) bit more aggressive. Um, But but, uh, I do think that, like, if his body composition has truly changed, I I hope that you're going to get a different Kyle Lowry because, let me tell you, at his best, he is is my favorite player that I've ever seen play basketball and beyond. Listen, that's all we – I'm asking for. (laughs) He's never going to be that. That's it. Because that that is an aggressive Lowry, and I do think Lowry right now is a more passive version of himself. Um, but I do think hopefully we, we saw that, and I will say the championship year, that was that for even a good mm. portion of the championship run. I mean, the Sixers were a team that were kind of built to to go up against a Raptors team because they were so big. <laughs> and the right. Raptors had Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, who were so small. Um and so it, up until the Buck series, which was the conference finals where Kyle Lowry had 31 points in that first game. And then for the rest of that series was the Raptors like leading score. And a few of those with Kawhi Leonard on the team, like he was just doing absolutely everything. He was so incredibly aggressive. I don't know how many games he actually led the team in scoring, but Kawhi was pretty dominant in the first half of that series at the very least. Um, but he was so incredibly aggressive in that series specifically. And you watched, oh yeah, he was pacing himself against the magic because that was an easy win and he knew he didn't right. have it against the Sixers and he's the type of person who was like I'm not going I'm not going to be able to have this so there's no point in me taking these shots like right. which is a little is a little unfortunate but I, I don't know if it comes from the fact that he was clowned for those you know first few years when it was really DeMar DeRozan's fault but you know that's besides the point um but like you can very <laughs> much tell that like he can get in his head a little bit yeah I think um and and for the the way that he consistently plays now with the speed that he plays with. I think that he have a team around him, as we saw last year, that can flourish with the way, if he's healthy, that he wants to play. You know, where he is picking and choosing when to run, 
but always looking for the ahead pass and looking oh. to get the ball up and all those things. That's like what the, I did watch. I watched yeah. a little bit of a heat game. Actually, I lied. And what I kept seeing were these outlet passes. And I was like, they get into offense so early. And like, yeah. I missed that as a Raptors fan because we had, I like, I know y'all love going on over here, but I always say last year, I watched that man walk the ball up in transition. And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, that was the last, yeah, that was the last season here too. Um, and, All I and remember so, like, is that big ass knee sleeve. Yeah. Oh, boy, it was painful. <laughs> so like just to watch clips of like watching Lowry hit that outlet pass and seeing you guys get into offense early because right. you guys are also a team that you know despite having all these three point shooters did struggle in half court yeah. sets at times. So like having getting into that early offense really does matter. And I think that like having a point guard that can look up really does help them mm -hmm. as well because you know the the point on him is to get more aggressive. And I think getting right. into offense early uh, can help with that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I agree. You know, it's now, funny you say that. Oh, go ahead, Alex. My bad. Um, no, go ahead. So it's interesting because the, the Heat's pace did move up a few spots um, with the acquisition of Kyle uh, throughout the regular season, but they were still in the bottom 10. Yeah. And so I'm hoping also I'm with you. I think them getting into office even a little bit earlier. And even if it's just, you know, they move up a couple more spots, they, they marginally get better. I think they got to focus on that a little bit more, especially now, you know, with um, PJ gone, just kind of trying to lean into you know, uh, a similar but different identity to what they were last season. Right. I think leaning offense and playing a little bit more of tempo. I think they have the guys to do it. I think that they yeah. they can make that happen throughout the regular season where guys are moving on and off ball and just um, always occupying 
the the help right and I, I know Gianni is is huge on that and I think um I think there's even upside with that like I think Kyle has done a good job moving the ball and getting them into offense early but as far as the off ball movement I think their sets are have been really nice you know Spo is an elite coach I'm not gonna sit here act like I, I'm you know he doesn't know what he's talking about or anything like that but I, I think there's still even more upside for mm-hmm. uh, playing even more of tempo and it's just easier said than done always and Spo mentioned that during media day you know everybody wants to play up tempo and, and uh, run it up and play at a faster pace. They always talk about doing that. And, and Spo said that he said that um, every season. <laughs> so he was kind of giving the game away right there. But um, right. just in general, I think they had the personnel to do it. And I think the way that they played with PJ was a little bit more set. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously um, you guys, and we've covered that a lot throughout the past uh, couple of seasons. And I think now, if you know, with Tyler in the lineup, with Caleb in the lineup, and just kind of they can play a little bit of a different style. So I think that, you know, works to Kyle's advantage. I'm, that's why I'm kind of also projecting that bounce back season, even, even right. if he isn't taking like a ton more shots. Right. Yeah, I think the bounce back season is more like positive impact on the court, even yeah. if it's not like, you know, he's putting up, you know, a, a, a 10 threes a game or something crazy, which right. I don't think he's ever done. I do like, though, what about the Heat? And Tiff, you were kind of pointing, you were mentioning this about, like, the young guys, even if you mm-hmm. need them to just play four games, they're going to be important come playoff time. But I also think right. they're going to be important if you take a step back and look at the outlook of your team long term. Like, something that the Heat do really well, the Raptors do really well, is have, you have your vets, you have a sort of next up, and then you have the young mm-hmm. guys who are going to take over that next up role. And so, like, you know, right. Jimmy and Kyle... Uh, I was about to say Tucker, but he's gone. Jimmy and Kyle, they're they're older. They're not going to be here forever. The team is going to be passed down from Jimmy's team to Bam's team. And you're going right. to need the guys, the Joviches, and all of these young guys that are currently on the team are going to be taking that sort of next step. They're going to be the middling. They're going to be the Tyler Hero age. And I think that like that starts right now. So those young guys mm-hmm. playing important minutes with the vets doesn't even just matter for the playoffs today. It matters for what this team's outlook is going to look like in the next five years. Right. No, I, I totally agree. And okay. So, and let's, let's use that and segue right into my next question. Alex, I'll start with you. Name one player that is going to be the most, that's most beneficial to the team. One, only one guy. Who's that one guy on the heat? You mean, um, I, 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 MVP. I mean, everything. Who's the one guy. I mean, Jimmy Butler is the best player on the team. But that doesn't mean I, – I mean the one guy who will – who can lead the team, keep the ship going. Who's going to be most crucial to the team's success? Doesn't have okay. to be the best player. Bam. That doesn't always mean it's the best player. It's Bam. Why? It's easily Bam. I mean, I think – and he's already shown – you know, I kind of hinted at it before but didn't get into it. I think some of the stuff he, he flashed throughout preseason, again, he might just stop doing it altogether throughout the regular season <laughs> and go right back to – um, the old ways but again they're going to have a different starting lineup and even if they run similar sets I think they're going to be a little bit more dynamic and so I'm expecting a season where Bam takes some of those steps that people have been wanting it's not going to come all together perfectly because right. I, I don't think Bam is that type of talent where he's been you know molded into the you know this alpha scorer right. mold dominant uh, all-time big that everybody wants where just everything comes together quickly and he and he's that guy that he showed for like three games against Boston every night because I, I don't you know that stuff takes time but I think Bam for example he had the other night uh, 12 free throw attempts in 25 minutes and that's the stuff that gets me excited because right. 
you know, everybody wants to talk about the mid-range shot on the three, which is really nice because, mm-hmm. you know, he hits those shots, he becomes a threat and uh, makes the, you know, the rim attacking for him uh, much easier, opens, opens things up. But I'm just, there's already, and I said this on the last five on the floor as well, there's already plenty of opportunities in the Heat's offense, mm-hmm. you know, last season or this season for him to get more opportunities as a scorer, right? For him to be used in different ways other than just as the kind of the, the pick and roll I mean, excuse me, the, the dribble handoff um, passer and initiator, right. which is really unique, by the way. Like, I'm not trying to trash that that whole system that Spoke created there. It was really damn effective. Like, the Heat <laughs> finished with, uh, in the past uh, two out of three seasons, like, they were in the top three and three-point percentage. We saw what happened in the playoffs last season. Right. But they've been able to get a lot out of uh, their their offensive talent, even though we don't think, you know, it's it's that much because of things like that. And Bam is a really unique player. I think now is the time for him to, you know, take these steps. And and he's talked about it, right? Like we saw Riley at the end of um, last season say he's got to be at 15 attempts a game. Then Bam comes on right. media day talking about 18 attempts a game, which just I, I was there and I couldn't believe it because it's like, oh, man. What are you doing to yourself, Bam? Like, if you don't do this now, they are going to be on your ass, man. Excuse me, because, like, I already see it every every yeah. night, like, for the past couple of seasons. Every time I tweet about, uh, you know, a Bam quote after a game where they lost, like, he is getting destroyed. And then we saw that tweet the other day where, like, Jimmy and Bam are in the top five and right. most hate tweets or something something like that, something of that uh, sort. And it's just like, if you know that's, doesn't do it. But you know that's Heat fans, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, if now, if he doesn't get to that or something close to 18 attempts a game, like, he is going to get destroyed by Heat fans because that's what they want. Yeah. Um, Same with you, Iman. Which which guy? Who you got? On the Heat? No, on the Raptors. On the Raptors. Yeah. Um, Also, that poll definitely came out in the playoffs because, like, every team, it was like it literally came out in the second round of the playoffs, and you could pinpoint the exact moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the uh, the Raptors, Pascal Siakam, he is their best player, so like it's almost the easiest thing as well. I think with the Raptors, it's a little bit different. Like I mentioned, it's they're like. Scotty, it's too young. It's too young for us to put it on him. I don't think that I don't even think Scotty's going to take the leap that everyone's sort of expecting Scotty to take this mm-hmm. year. I, I think that he's probably going to be like the fourth option on offense a lot of nights um, for your team. I think Fred is kind of, yeah, he was the all-star last year, but he's going to be moving to like that fifth spot. You don't really need Fred to do much except take 10, three attempts a game, which is what he did last year and hit 40% of them, which is an insane rate. But like, that's what you need from him. And like, it's going to be a lot more off ball actions for Fred. He's not going to be the primary facilitator. I think you want the ball in Pascal's hands. I think Mm -hmm. Pascal has shown last year that he was your most important defender at a lot of times because they have so many, so many similarly sized guys, they don't just have one sort of bam, right? right. Where he's sort of the anchor of your defense. It, you, you said he kind of does everything for your defense, right? Uh, or at least is like the main focal point of why mm-hmm. that is an elite defense. The Raptors have a lot of those guys where they can sort of, it can be OG some nights, it can be Precious right. Achua. It, um, but I think what Pascal's role is on the defensive end and on the offensive end, I think he's just he's not just this team stealing razor, which how good he will be this year will determine how good the Raptors are. He is also their floor razor. And we saw that last year, they were nine and 13 at the start of the year and went 39 and 21 in the second half of the year. And the main difference there, 
Pascal Siakam was out in the beginning and Pascal mm. Siakam was there in the second half. So like he just matters so much to what this team does right. on both ends of the ball. I think he's one of the more you know underrated players. So for me, it's, it's Pascal. Okay. Okay. Uh, really quickly. Let me just shout out Alf. Alf, thanks for the sub. Um, yeah. Alf, you know what to do. Um, also at the end of the show, you guys know that we take questions. So we'll take anywhere between three and five. So if you have any, throw them out there and our illustrious producer, Brian, he will gather them and he will read them at the end. All right. So I cannot have a show and not even talk about this. I know Alex, you already said you didn't really want to talk about it, but you here. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about this precious trade. We're going to talk about the trade. Oh, we're going to talk about it. And as you see, we got some highlights right here. This is precious with the heat. Come on. Let's talk about it. Raw, right? Raw. Just, just, just listen. He's raw. He's, he's moving. He's trying. He's working hard. Right? That's all right. But now, now let's look at precious now. Look at what he's doing. Alex, come on. I'm holding you accountable for this. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, oh, look at him. Oh, yeah, 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 Alex. Look at this. Look <laughs> there we this. go. Look at this. Okay, that, was, how, that was the and, one and only, I want to say. That's never happened before. Spo <laughs> would throw him on the bench so quick if he took that shot. That, if that was not April, that was the playoffs. Oh it was even because we played, oh we played the Sixers God. in April, and then we played them in the playoffs in the first round. So it was like literally within two weeks of each other. I cannot remember okay. if that was like one of the last games or playoffs. <laughs> I was going to say, it better not have been during the playoffs. That is a it might crazy have been. shot. It might have been. <laughs> Wait, can we see that? Wait, Brian, let me see that three again. Let me see. Yeah, just go ahead and roll through all of these because I, I got to see I got to see Precious holding oh up the God. goose. He was holding, that missed he, layup is brutal. Yeah, but this is this is sometimes what happens. Guys when wrote you... about it last year. He was the worst <laughs> finisher in the league, basically. It, he literally was... Um, he was lit when we got him. He was literally like the the guy from the Never Ending Story, the guy that's made of like rocks, and he has these hands, and they are just rocks. And that was precious. He, it, yeah. It, when know, he I, first came, Raptor fans were like, "What is this zero level scorer?" I'm like, "Zero <laughs> level scorer, Jesus Christ!" <laughs> but look at this. Look at this. Yeah. Stepped into it. Hold the pose. Oh. So. So as we joke I and I ingest, ingest, I like make all these jokes and whatever, but we can really say there from the time that we had him until now, there's been a lot of improvement. He's worked on his game. He's worked on his body because he's filled out more. You can see it. Um, all right, Alex, why don't you talk about a little bit of his time with us and then we'll kind of segue to Iman and she can talk about what what she's seen from him and maybe like what she hopes to see from him this season so like I said before he was definitely very raw you saw it there he had a, like so many plays like that where he would blow yeah. open layups was just kind of a, a little bit very like panicked out there uh and a little bit too chaotic right which chaos can be a good thing in the basketball I mean on the basketball floor if it's controlled right just kind of being um unpredictable 
um, can be an advantage if you know how to use it. But he was just, it was the opposite of that. Like he, like zero level score sounds mean, but it's kind of true. That's what he was here. Like, cause he could shoot a little bit, but like not good enough for the heat to right. um, throw him, uh, you know, let him take those shots. Like they very much were, okay, the back of five is a screen and roll big. And it's like, he is not the biggest five, but he, he's not undersized to be a, a five either. So it was just a little bit awkward, I think. Um, you know, he had very much a rookie season there. It's just, I think it's always going to be looked back at more through the lens of, oh, they could have had Desmond Bain or Tyrese Maxey, which is, you know, going back to um, toxic fan base stuff. It's hard to blame them because that's, you know, that's what fan bases do, right? Like right. that's, that's the point of all this. It's like, oh, we could have had this guy. Like it's, it's, it's the fun of sports, right? It's like, oh, just could you imagine if we, if the Heat uh, added Desmond Bain to this whole mix right now instead of Precious and they wouldn't have traded him for Kyle, maybe they could trade somebody else for Kyle. I think, you know, it's uh, hard to think like that, but Precious has obviously gotten better since uh, the Heat traded him. He looks like his his handle is just, you know, a little bit tighter. He doesn't look, you know, even though it's just some highlights there, but he doesn't look quite as chaotic and out of control. Um, like, I just think there is obviously – um some upside there and like i said before he fits what they do well like i think the other night was he shot four of 16 or something like that i don't know if i don't know if he did that the other night i, I don't know i may be right mixing that up <laughs> so like he's still gonna have those moments for sure like just he's gonna take too many shots like i think that's stuff that like every player has flaws and bad habits and the every season is gonna be about like ironing those things out and that's why i think i was kind of skeptical before at the idea of him starting even though i do think he's a starting level player especially like during the regular season it's not like you know your season's on the line he's a young player you want to uh, develop him it's just so crowded already with huge players right and uh the the, the raptors are just going to play as many of them uh put as many of them on, on the floor as possible when van vliet goes to the bench so i think he's gonna have plenty of playing time and opportunities there as long as they're i think they're shooting and spacing is there, which is always kind of the question with the Raptors. I think that they do kind of have enough as Amon was getting uh, into there, especially, you know, the acquisition of Otto, other guys becoming better shooters. Van Bleed is elite as a shooter. Trent is a great shooter. Siakam is a good shooter. OG is a good shooter. Like, they've got theoretically a good amount there to help Precious out as he grows and irons out these bad habits. So, you know, maybe he's not as good prospect as as Bane (laughs) and Maxi, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Precious is my favorite prospect of all time. I'm like I so when he came, it was it automatically you watch him and you're like he can do everything on defense. Like he is so good. He is all over the place. Like the, I said, the Raptors play this incredibly aggressive style of defense. They've got all of this wingspan right. and all they're trying to do is muck things up. It's supposed to just, you know, they're trying to clog lanes with and they they give up the most corner threes. They also block the most amount of corner threes, which I think kind of perfectly encapsulates what their uh, defense is uh, and just like giving up the most and being able to block the most. It's a lot of just movement and it, and um, Precious comes in (laughs) and, and be, and because they can, right. Like, because it's one step for them where it might be like five steps for my short ass feet, legs (laughs) Um, where like it, it becomes, it becomes like an an immediate thing. You watch, you watch Chris Boucher right underneath the basket and you blink and he's out on the wings and you're just Mm -hmm. like, how, how did he get there so quickly? It's because they just have insane legs and arms. Um, And you watch Precious and you're like, he can do everything. He can really sort of guard all sorts of positions. The Raptors, uh, I believe Precious was also in this mix. I think it was Precious, Boucher and Scotty. 
um, had three of the top 10 in diversity in defensive versatility just last year for guys who played at least 1500 minutes they're just incredibly versatile and and precious showed that he can be they play him mostly at the five because as you said yes he's a little undersized but can guard that really well you don't really notice it i think he is the raptors nominal five um and so for me watching precious i was like oh defensively wow like he's so incredibly athletic he's so incredibly long you can see exactly how he slots into what the raptors were doing um and then you watch him offensively and you're like what the hell is this like <laughs> has he ever watched a basketball game and i think it was ken birch who said he's so athletic and can do so much that he just needs to learn to do one thing at a time yeah and and that's what it was he was trying to do everything at one time and it was like you're not kobe bryant what do you like why are you like you know the tween tween has he splash what twitter wants that's what he was trying to do and it was like you can't do that's not your game that's probably um, why Spo put him in that role in that right <laughs> Um, and, and so, uh, he started to calm down. He started to truly pace himself and really find himself in the offense. It did start with him just kind of spawning up in the wings. Like he was, you know, PJ Tucker or something (laughs) and taking those, but he started to make them. Uh, then he became the worst finisher we've ever seen. And then randomly in the playoffs, he took Joel Embiid off the dribble like three different times and finished over him. And it was like, I, I kind of say I had a, I have a toddler niece. Um, and every time I watch her, like last year, she was two. Every time I saw her, she grew into like more of a human being. I'm like, you can say words now you can walk. You're like standing up straight. Like it was so fast, her growth. And that's what it's like watching Precious Achua on the basketball court. Where you're like, every time you watch her, you're like, you can do that now. You can move like that. Like slowly, like, or ra- rather very quickly becoming a basketball player on the court. So to me, this Precious trade, I love him. He is one of my favorite prospects and all like, I just, I, I'm so obsessed with Precious Achua. I love him so much. Yeah, we saw, like, there were moments, Alex, you know, we saw something and we'd be like, oh, it's something in there. Like, he got it. And then, like, the hype early on was that he could be like a mini BAM. Oh, uh, yeah. And of course, five BAMs. Um, five BAMs. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the Raptors are trying right now. Yeah. That's and literally like, what the Raptors are trying. You know, he would do something like great on offense. And then, like, three plays later, it would be like an offensive rebound. And then he'd like, it would be like an awkward putback, but not even like gentle. It'd be like flying off the backboard backwards. And we'd be like, but we just saw you do X, Y, and Z what's happening. And I just, you know, and sometimes it's just young players. It takes a while for all the things to click. Yeah. He can do too much. That's what it is. Too athletic. Sometimes like, I know I talk fast. Precious Achua plays as fast as I talk. Like you watch him and I'm like, (laughs) I need to watch that at 0.75 speed. I have no idea what he just did. He had this one move where he had like, I don't know who he got in front of. He like the way, I think he might've even split a defense and just got right in front of the rim, had this behind the dribble move, brought the ball up and then left the push shot short. And I'm like, that was the most beautiful, like, 30 seconds or 20 seconds I saw. <laughs> and it landed with, like, no one around you. No reason to leave this short. No reason to rush this. Um, but that's just, like, the, the precious that you experiment. He's a creative. <laughs> Certainly. It's art it's what he does. He's a free thinker. <laughs> you can say that again. That's the one. <laughs> uh, Frankie G in the chat. You can say that again. <laughs> um, okay, so... Now I want to take a look at you guys' top eight teams from the East and the Western Conference. And we're going to start with Iman. We're going to start with the East. And um, Brian, if you could put that that graphic up. And we are, here we go. 
Oh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So yep. we got we got Sixers for for everybody wow. listening at home tomorrow in your cars, wherever in your house. We got Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, Raptors. We got Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, Raptors, Heat, Mm. Cavs, Hawks, <laughs> Nets. Can I defend this? Can I? Uh, I oh, you? You're, oh, yeah. Okay, it's, it's, okay. It's on. Here's the thing. I think. <laughs> I think the Heat. Like, okay, so I have the Raptors ahead of the Heat. Let me tell you. I don't. And I said this yesterday when I was talking to Siobhan as well uh, for Hoop Juices. I think the Heat beat the Raptors in the playoffs. I don't think that that's a question. I'm not going to take the Raptors over the Heat. I don't know that I think the Heat are going to win as many regular season games. I don't think they're going mm. to have their foot on the gas for the entirety of the regular season. I think that like, and I did not watch Jovich. I, I have not seen how they, and that was my biggest question. So like being here and listening to you guys, being actually excited about how they're sort of filling that role. To me, that was a major question is just mm-hmm. like, is, is that going to be too much of a beating on, you know, the Bam Adebayo's and Jimmy Butler's bodies. If Jimmy's now moving up to your four and having right. to sort of take the brunt of that, what does that look like? Cause he is getting older. He has Tibbs minutes on his body mm-hmm. already. And I do think that because of what happened last year, the way that the heat should be treating the regular season is in the words of Kawhi Leonard, 82 practices, right? Like, I think that that's how, <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's how like the heat should probably be approaching right. this regular season. I don't see them. I don't see the need to go all out. Um, so to me, I think that the Heat probably are around that five spot. I think that they're certainly in the top six. I'm not going to have them in the play-in. And right. they could be higher. I think that one of the Sixers, Celtics, Bucks are probably not going to be top three because I do think the Bucks are probably going to take their foot off the gas right. as well. I'm a little shaky on them. Um, but yeah, so so that's why I have the Heat lower. It's not that I think that they're, you know, the fifth best team in the East. I have them ahead of the Raptors. I think they're part of the top four. I just think that their foot is going to be off the gas. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny because I, I've been saying that all preseason that they'll probably finish fifth. Um, and it's, it is, I just don't, I don't see Spo running his guys into the ground. Yeah. Not, not for, not for regular season awards. Like I just don't see that happening. Um, I agree, but tell me why you have, why do you have Philly first? So, the Sixers, I've been saying this, so I, I think that they're, I think they're really good. Here's the thing. I think the Sixers, and I said this, this is either their year that I think they make it out the East, or uh-huh. this is a year where Joel Embiid wins an MVP. I don't think both things can happen in the same year, because okay. I don't know that I trust jo- Joel Embiid's body to both be mm. 82 games MVP ready and also playoff right. ready, because we've seen that. So I said to myself, what do I trust more? The Sixers making it out the East and potentially winning a championship <laughs> or regular season basketball for Philadelphia? And I chose what I thought was the safest bet, which is regular season basketball for Philadelphia. Yep. So that's why I still have them at the top. I think that they're a really good team. I think that some of like the past year's um, woes have been put on them a little bit unfairly. This is the mm-hmm. first team that we've actually seen built around Joel Embiid where he's not floor spacing for someone else, which is ludicrous right. when he's as good as he is. Uh, I think they finally have depth, which is something that they have not had in years past, like watching Furkan Korkmaz in the playoffs. I'm just like, yeah, we need probably need people. Um, <laughs> like watching, watching the team just absolutely crater when Joel Embiid sits. 
Um, I think that Jim, that James Harden is the best point guard that Joel Embiid has played with. We see what the pick and roll numbers were mm-hmm. last year for them. So I, I think that having him and also Tyrese Maxey, you guys have been talking about him a little bit, especially in the second half of last season, was an absolute stud. And if he can mm-hmm. bring that back this year, I'm looking at the Sixers team as being miles ahead of any of the past Joel Embiid Sixers teams that he's right. played on. <laughs> so to me, they're either the one seed or they're coming out the East and the safest bet was the one seed. And I like them um, as a regular season one seed. Um, I think for me, where the hesitancy to say, oh, they can easily come out of the East, as people are saying, they still got James Harden. And last time I checked, James Harden is still the same James Harden who has... He's not a number one player. But he has cratered. You, listen, I don't care how good Joel is. James Harden is going to have to be a hundred times better than he was last season for them to make the conference finals because hurt or not, because there there's no more excuses for Embiid. He's always hurt. Like most of the players in the league are always hurt. So, you know, this is what happens. They couldn't figure out how to even make him a decoy last season. They still got the same coach. Yeah. Let's like be realistic. Like some things didn't change and I could see them going all out and getting the number one seed. And I can also see James Harden shooting them out of the playoffs or as he likes to do in the playoffs, not shoot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got some, I got some questions with them, but I could definitely see them being the one seed. Um, I think you have the, you have the bucks third and Alex feel free to jump in at any time. My, where my concerns with the Bucks are, because they can easily be the one seed, like they can. But I got some concerns about like, they didn't really add too much this off season. I don't know what Brooke Lopez looks like. I know what he yeah. looked like. I don't know what's happening with that. Um, we still, we don't know what Chris Middleton will look like when he comes back. You know, that's always the thing. Yes, he can come back 100% healthy or he could come back and not look like Chris Middleton. Um, uh, Towards the end of the season, Drew Holiday didn't look as good either. So they've got, you know, yes, you have Giannis. Yeah, you have Giannis. But they didn't really add, they didn't add that youth, as we were talking about, that could probably sustain them for a, a week to a two week period, if someone needs a break or if there's an injury. So I think to me, that's the biggest question mark I have with the Bucks. I honestly, I have them third because the way that I was looking at this, I'm like, okay, Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, I can kind of see them as just sort of like, okay, legit. I think the Heat are flirting with that tier. They can be in that tier or they can really miss PJ Tucker and they can be out of that tier. I just, that, that's a question to me. So that's why they're sort of right. my fourth best team in the East. Um, but when I look at the Bucks, I, Everything that you just said, I like. I agree with. I go. They're they're aging. I think people treat this as though they're not a young team because they're superstars. Right. That they're young team because they're superstars young, but Chris Middleton is not young. Drew Holiday is not young, and you know George Hill is not young. Even though I don't know how much of a role he plays, but like who's not young is Brooke Lopez, who matters so much to what this team does. He is the anchor to their defense, Mm -hmm. and I talk about this a ton. 
why the Bucks were the number one seed year in and year out is because they had the best defense in the league. And that was because they had Brooke Lopez in the drop anchoring it. And teams were terrified of mm-hmm. going in on Brooke Lopez. And you have some of the best perimeter defenders in the game really sort of funneling guys directly to him. And that was just making sure that like no team can score against them unless you had a bunch of three-point shooters who can just, you know, go crazy from beyond the arc, which is why the Raptors traded for Marcus Holt specifically for that to improve their three-point shooting, right. um, to go up against the Bucks. It was very much looking at what the Bucks did and and building that way. And the Raptors were terrified of going up against the Bucks unless they had, you know, Fred VanVleet hitting mm-hmm. ten threes in a game, Kyle Lowry hitting ten threes in the game. Unless they had something like that, they couldn't beat them. And then last year, I watched them. They were, what, the 12th or 15th ranked defense? They were they were somewhere in that mm-hmm. 12 to 15 range. And they were not scary at all. Right. Bobby Portis does not scare anyone. No, um, no. Except for Nikola Mirotic, but that's besides the point. Um, and so, um, <laughs> so, like, he, I just, like, I'm, like, their defense is not, like, and you don't want to put, once again, that burden on Giannis to be the one sort of anchoring a championship-level defense while also being the superstar on offensive mm-hmm. end. As much as he is a superhuman, I just can't trust that. So, to me, the Bucks at the third spot meant that I just don't trust them in the regular season ahead of the Sixers or Celtics. But I also would not be surprised if, like you said, Drew and Middleton are not super healthy uh, or also are aging and who knows what their health situation is. If they even fall below that, I still think that they're probably my safest bet just because I think that they're the most adult team mm-hmm. out of the Celtics and the Sixers to right. possibly make it to the champion uh, to the finals. But in the regular season, I can see it if Middleton and Drew are not healthy, that they actually slip into that five spot into that four or five spot but for right now i'm gonna have them as a three seed just because i respect Giannis too much okay but they're shaky um, in the regular season alex what about the eighth seed you're muted i think All right, so let's let's talk about the Nets until we get Alex to jump in here. Yeah. Why why did you have the Nets at eight? Because I have no idea what their regular season is going to look like. I just if they're together, they're a playoff team, so they're in there. But like they could be one of the best teams in basketball, or they can make trades midway through the season and be out of right. the mix. So I just figured eight seed just means yeah, I trust that they're going to be in there. I just have no idea where they sort of fall on that, and also like. Kevin Durant has played what like 80 games in the last three years. Do I trust yeah. that he's going to play the majority of the season this year? No. Right. And they're a completely different team with him on the court than with him off. Right. I and I wonder too, because the idea of them, I guess, using Ben as the center is I don't I guess is if that's what they're going for. Um I mean, I don't know. What really, happens to Claxton? He's there. So I, I'm not sure how 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 that's going to work out i mean yeah ben is is a talented guy but obviously that's not a natural position um he's going to have to guard and then he's going to have to guard up which he can possibly do but that also but that but then that also means like where is he on the defensive end he's a good defender like i won't take that away from him but now who's he matching up with and where and i think with him I think with him out there, that could lead to a lot of mismatches depending on who he's matching up with, you know? So I'm not really sure. And at some point we all have to be honest. He's got to shoot the ball. Yeah. 
like if you're they're going to leave him open they're going to play off of him and you know Durant or Kyrie they're going to be facing those mis- mismatches and it'll be his guy cuz they are going to sag off him cuz he's going to have to prove he can hit that jump shot so I didn't know that they wanted to play him at the 5 cuz I'm like he's their best perimeter defender and like look at the east look yeah. at who these big wings that they're going to have to go up against you would kind of want him you know, up against Jimmy, you would want him up against Tatum. You would want him to go up against, you know, the, I don't know. I'm so interested to see what Steve Nash does this year. Yeah. I guess, I think it's just the way, um, because I mean, I guess that's the way to get him on the floor. If you're going to play Kyrie, if you're going to play KD and then, uh, looks like Joe Harris is back healthy, um yeah that's true right and then they got the guy from i think utah i uh, and i can't royce remember O'Neal? yes royce o'neill so if you got to get ben on the court where's he playing at that point with those guys that's you know that's pretty much it and then if you have him on the perimeter on defense for for instance let's say if he's guarding bam i mean if he guards mm-hmm. me on the perimeter who's guarding bam yeah, yeah. Yeah, like none of them. Like that's that's definitely not happening. So it does create some interesting dynamics for that team. Yeah, they're um, gonna be a weird one. Alex, are you back? Oh my god, Alex. Um, oh no. <laughs> um, is there is there a team specifically on this list, Amon, that you kind of want to touch on? I know we didn't talk about the Cavs, and I know they made the huge offseason. Uh, transaction. So if you if you want to you want to touch a bit on, I think Alex think. is back. You back? Yes. That's yes. why I, I was confused. There we go. Okay, okay. Go. I see myself. Yep. We got you. Okay, we got you. Um, right. I was gonna say I don't know what happened there. Sorry for like I think I've struck out already three times. Um, <laughs> um, me and Iman's standings were actually pretty similar and i thought this okay. was going to be a more a spicier segment here just because like <laughs> there's so many good teams and this is a really 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 tough um exercise to do like i think there's a lot of really good teams and you can kind of group them however you like and again not to sound like a cop-out answer i just think there's a you know a lot of these teams are in the same kind of range especially when you're boiling it down to regular mm-hmm. season wins so like you know we might have all types of different um standings i might and i agree with her about the bucks for example like they could have a i had them as three i believe we're, you know we're gonna so show let's mine, get but I, let's get yours up uh brian okay let's, okay let's get alex's up okay so alex go ahead there we go so yeah as you see it's not that different we've kind of got the same um top three we've both got the same two playing teams just a different order and so this is really tough because i i switched this i don't know seven eight times like before so i don't feel set in stone about any of these picks, but I couldn't agree more about the Sixers being a really good um, regular season prop, just because I think this is like what you guys were talking about. Um, it's going to be the Joel, the Joel Embiid, Jesus, Joel Embiid MVP season, and he's going to go all out for that. They're going to win like 60 games. They're going to get all the hype around them, and it's going to be all the better. Like once they go out in the second round, once again, it's going to be incredible. Like, um, I just don't believe in that team as a championship contender. That is, that's where I differ on our thoughts with the Sixers. I, I think roster-wise, um, absolutely on paper, they're a championship contender. Hmm. Um, I just don't believe in them, especially after watching what happened against the Heat. Like, they, it's it's some of the stuff. Like, 
<laughs> I'm trying to think of what's the what's the right way to say this. Harden is has just has this like loser mentality, man. Like I I cannot vibe with James Harden. All these like the fact that he's done it in every single playoffs. Right. And look, I don't blame him for not getting past the Warriors with those Rocket teams. He was awesome for those years. Like he he's an all time player. He's not that guy anymore. Like you guys were talking about, he went from being a top five player MVP candidate to now being I don't know top thirty five player, right? And that's still a very good player to have on your team, but it's just like a real different formula if you're if you have two mvp candidates versus one and um a roster with a bunch of other very good players harden is still a really good player i just don't trust them to be able to do their consistently versus the best teams and the best defenses in the east like the way that pj tucker and the heat embarrassed the sixers in the second round it's just left me with such a bad taste in my mouth specifically like if i'm a sixers fan obviously not as a Heat fan, right? <laughs> but just in general, like, I, I don't believe in that team. I think their depth is a lot better, for sure, which is why they're going to be uh, part, part of the reason why they're going to be really good in the regular season. I think they're tougher, right? People have pointed to PJ, have pointed to DeAnthony Melton, have pointed to Daniel House, Montrose Harrell. Like, they won't be quite as soft as when they had, um, you know, Cork Miles out there with George's Niang and just <laughs> all types of terrible lineups. So I think if they can figure out some of the non-embeatments, like Iman was pointing to, they can um, really up their chances as a contender. I just, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. That's how I feel in the Sixers. It's going to be amazing when they lose in the second round again. The Celtics and the Bucks were a little bit hard to keep in the top three just because they're both dealing with injuries to really important players. You guys talked about how Brooke, we don't know his uh, situation. So that's another thing there. But between Robert Williams and Chris Middleton, you know, two really important players for those teams. So I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them went down so like i was saying it's just i don't feel uh very set in stone with any of these picks like i ended up having the the heat is the five seed here um and i could see the heat is a three or four seed like i just think they're all kind of in a uh similar range right now i i don't know like I, what do you want to ask me about specifically here well i think one thing that we didn't touch on that the three of us can talk about the celtics um mm. so robert williams yes he's out um until what mid-season or something like that um january probably i think yeah i think end of december early january so but we didn't talk about you know coaching matters so oh, yeah. they literally have uh, they have a whole new coach so does it matter and also they couldn't even promote their lead assistant since he got hired by the jazz Exactly. And and so let's take this on, on face value. You have a new coach, and do we still know who Jason Tatum is yet? Because I, I'm i not sure. Like, mm. he's, he's a he's good like a player. Paul George-level player and, until he proves that he's better. And, that's, and this is what I'm talking about. So we don't really know because, <clears throat> as we saw in the regular season, yeah, they strung together a lot of wins, and – there are a lot of games where your number one guy just did not show up. So that, to me, that's a, that's a big question mark. Can they, can they one survive the fact that they have a new coach and can they two replicate the regular season that they had last season before we even get them into the playoffs? Like those are two big things that they would have to do. 
I, I agree. I think for one, I think what sort of benefits them with the coach situation at the very least, it happened before training camp. I think right. if it happened once the season began, if it was anything sort of mid season that had to do, I would be way more concerned about their regular season outlook, but we've already seen them in preseason. Like, like mm -hmm. The Raptors played them twice already in preseason with Joe Missoula and you can like, they look like the Celtics. <laughs> like it feels, it feels fine. So I, I, I think that they have the added benefit of the timing of when this happened just because they did get a full training camp um, mm -hmm. and they did get, you know, a full preseason at the very least. The Robert Williams injury, once again, talking about, you know, with Brooke Lopez sort of anchoring the Bucks defense and him going out, how that kind of just made them, made the Bucks really susceptible to a bunch of just like big drives. Like, you know, if right. you have, they, they just didn't have anyone to sort of stop that at the point of the attack or at the back line there. And looking at the Celtics, it's like, yeah, the lack of Robert Williams. Like I said, the Raptors play, played this team twice. Grant Williams and Al Horford are not putting the fear into mm -hmm. anybody. And that's how the Raptors sort of feasted in both of those games was at the rim. And it was a bunch of, you know, it's preseason. You're going to play guys that, you know, are no longer on the roster. And it's right. like, if you guys can't stop that, like, right. I am kind of concerned um, about the sort of, because why they were the number one seed in the second half of the year and the number one defense is because of what Robert Williams can do. Yes. Marcus smart was defensive player of the year, but as he fans, you guys know that that's BS. And honestly, I think it's BS as well. And I think right. Robert Williams, I think Robert Williams is more important to what mm -hmm. they do. I, I like, I find it harder to sort of, you know, credit a guard over the, the person who anchors your defense, but that's besides the point. Um, so I think that they're just, there, there are a lot more holes. And I think the question about Jason Tatum is, is a really important one because when I sort of look at superstars in the league, top five mm -hmm. players, which is what people sort of presume that Jason Tatum is or will become. Right. They're like, as someone who, you know, Kawhi was on the Raptors recently, you guys have had Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. Like, you can't stop them. Right. right? Like, right. they have counter attacks. Yeah. Like, when Kawhi Leonard's shot wasn't falling, he would just post you up. Like that's mm -hmm. where he sort of operated out yep. of. It was the high post, the mid post. Like he's from the school of Kobe, probably closer to any other player in the league, in my opinion. You know, people talk about the Devin Bookers, but watch Kawhi Leonard play. He's like, yeah, I can do, I'm going to operate at the high post. I'm going to operate at the mid yep. post. I'm just going to back my guy down if my jumper isn't falling, if I right. do not have that. Jason Tatum has not shown that he has the ability to do that. He has not done that consistently. He does not get to the line as much as you mm -hmm. would want a top five player to do. He does not attack the basket in the same way that you want your top five player to do. So I'm like, I think he's elite. I think he's really, really good. We saw that he helped lead a team to a finals. I'm not going to take anything away mm -hmm. from that. But if you're going to put yourself in that top five, even top 10 category, you need to show me counters when right. teams stop you on offense. What right. can you do that makes you unstoppable to make sure that you finish with 30 points in that game? And so many times in the playoffs, he had games where he went four for 21, mm -hmm. three for a 17. And it's just like, He's going to have games. He he's like his his game is so aesthetically pleasing. His footwork is amazing. His mid-range shooting is very very elite. That he's going to have so many games where he shoots fifty percent from the floor. Goes like you know even the goal like fifteen for eighteen and finish right. with forty points, and everybody will be like, whoa, what a superstar! And it's so aesthetically pleasing to watch, but you can't live off of that shot diet because it is so inefficient right. that yes, you're going to have a lot of really great games if you're an elite player of Jason Tatum's caliber, but doesn't matter how good you are. That's just not an, that's not efficient basketball. You are going to have more nights where you go three for mm -hmm. 21, four for 21. And if that's happening deep into the playoffs, I think that's a concern. And I think that was the biggest concern for the Celtics last year and why so many series went to seven games when they probably should have finished it much earlier. Right.
So I'm worried about him as sort of the number one guy. I think people are not talking about how important Al Horford was in those series. Like, right. he's so important to what they do. And he's also a year older. So right. I don't know. I'm concerned about their long-term outlook, but I still think they'll be a good regular season team. Yeah, I think they'll be a good regular. But I think, like I said, when it comes to that leadership and what you need in the playoffs, and because the East looks wide open. If we really mm-hmm. want to, like, talk about it, it you know, it... it a missed shot here or there, anybody looks like, it looks like anybody could end up in the finals. Um, or in can the play-in. We get, yeah, or the play-in. Can we or get Alex's play-in. list back up real quick? I just want to check. Um, Underscoring my Raptors. Yeah. Well, I just kind of wanted to check to see where he had the Brooklyn Nets. Um, mm. I went back and forth with them so many times. Uh, at one point I had him like in the top four. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept moving yeah. them around. Right. Like, They're just, I can't give them the respect until they put together a consistent season of winning basketball. Right. Like on paper, and Zach Lowe has talked about this, like they should change their name to something that has to do with papers or something, just because like they're always the on paper team every year. Like, you know, for the past three seasons since um, KD and Kyrie teamed up, like they're one of the teams you look forward to going into the season the most and it never turns out. You know, just as a not a not as a Heat fan or anything like that, just in general, mm-hmm. basketball fans, right? Like they haven't turned out to be that proposition of of um star players with a good mix of uh great role players. Like they had the the you know, the season where they went toe to toe with the Bucks and that was the you know, they showed flashes of what they could be. Um, even though they, they were never fully healthy. The hard thing, just incredible how fast that whole thing blew up and came apart. I mean, right. Just toe to toe up line. Because of Kevin Durant's toe on the line. <laughs> I wish it was. I can't even take credit for that. I can't even take credit for that. It's a good good observation. But no, like they show something. And now I think like on paper, they have a nice roster. They have a, a team that can, I think, win a lot of games in the regular season if those guys play. Right. And I think obviously there's no more vaccine mandate. So Kyrie is going to play more. They're going to get some more wins mm-hmm. off of that. Like uh, you guys already mentioned some of the guys they picked up uh, with uh, Royce O'Neal. Like this is a just a perfect roster for Ben Simmons to keep doing exactly what he does without having to grow as a player, which is kind of his agenda. And so, you know, he could just pass out to shooters all day long here. Like they've got Kyrie, they've got KD, they've got Seth, they've got Joe Harris. Like they they have got an abundance of shooters. Like there's, there's going to be some fit issues, right, if they want to play him with Claxton, right. uh, trying to figure yeah. out um, – the spacing because you're going to have to play big versus some East teams. You know, there was, um, you know, if you're an encouraging sign, if you're a Nets fan was the way that Simmons was defending Giannis the other night, people were hyping that up, which is cool. I get why that would be hyped up, but just in general, um, this is going to be one of those season long things where I got to see how it comes together because that whole summer was just such a mess, such a roller coaster. The fact that KD wanted out, Kyrie wanted out, Kyrie never got his, uh, long-term deal by the way so like that's right. still up in the air kd wanted steve nash and uh the gm out of there everybody is still there like and then there was reports <laughs> that kd didn't really like ben simmons especially after uh you know kind of the way that things turns out at the end of last season where there was all that hype and build-up that he might play versus the celtics and he never did and kd was just kind of left out there and they got embarrassed, like the way yeah. that they got embarrassed and swept in the first round. Like I just couldn't bring them up higher than than what they were, uh, you know, over all these other teams that I think are going to be very good regular season teams. So like, 
they might have one of the best rosters in the East. They might be a finals team. Right. I just wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it. Like, I got to see it first. And I, I know that's kind of a cliche answer, but on paper, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and then I think, you know, the playoffs is a matchup game and we can go through specific matchups for them, but they should be lethal. I think they're more likely to end up as a playing team than a top three team. Hmm. Okay. All right. So now we are going to slide over to the West and Alex, we're going to start with yours. So let's see what we got. We got the Nuggets. We got the Suns. We got the Warriors, the Mavs, the T-Wolves. Am I reading that right? The T-Wolves, mm-hmm. the Grizzlies, the Clippers, and the Lakers. So, hmm. Mm. I don't like none of that. Can I just say, I, I was don't going like none to, of that. <laughs> I was going to put the Lakers as my eight seed, too, and I chickened out. I just didn't have <laughs> – I couldn't I couldn't do it. My hot take I is understand. that they, they're in the play-in, and they, they jump into the eight seed in the playoffs – but as a right, I just I can't have them as that's a, exactly that's yours? exactly what okay, I was okay. Because I'm like, that's, be like that's the where I have it. Yeah, that's where <laughs> I, that's exactly how I see it. I'm like, they're going to be in the play-in and they're just going LeBron for a game, I'll take you know take him over most people. So right. Exactly. Like the, the Kings will maybe get like the ninth seed, they'll beat the Kings, and then LeBron right. will just like you know, I feel like that's the type of this is gonna be the year where they sneak back in there, even though you know, I, w- I would absolutely not be surprised if they're not in the playoffs. I just wanted to, you know, make yeah. it a little bit more interesting than having the Kings in there or something. Right. Oh, right. my God. You I just forgot. realized something. I forgot the Pelicans. Yeah. Get the Lakers that was, out of there, man. Why do you Get think the I Lakers said, out of there. Why do you think so, I said I don't like me, this? Too many good I, teams. I, that's exactly the issue. I forgot the Mavericks. So, oh. and then I was like, ah, I got to put the Lakers in. I got to put the Mavs in over the Lakers. But yeah, yeah. same. I just had the light bulb. Get the Lakers <laughs> out of here. Thank you, Brian. That's why I go, oh, I don't like this. Like, <laughs> I still think they're going to – I think they're going to find a way. The Lakers? I, like, I, I would even mm. maybe put the Pelicans above the Clippers, but that's fine. I kind of have – I like I like where it is right now. It, it's it's just tough to right. order all of this because I think if, all of these are going to be really good regular season teams. If you told me Kawhi and Paul George would finish the season healthy – like healthy, I'd have them at least the two seed. That's the if thing. You told, if You're you told load me, manage the shit out of this it, season. But, yeah, but even load managing, they still there's a chance they don't finish the season healthy. They have. When's the last time we saw Kawhi? I don't even remember. Pre-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I don't know. No. The, the year after the bubble. The year after the bubble, because they okay. beat the Jazz. He lost in the. That's he right. lost to the. Yeah. They beat the Mavericks, and then he got hurt in the Jazz series. So that's right. Look how long ago that was. Um, the Suns. I. I think that you might have that, them. I might too, have to. I think you got the. I think you got them too high. There's too much. There's too much going on there. It's just because they won like 64 last season, so it yeah. feels like them dropping off by so much would be. Like I don't it know. feels like mathematically too much, but the vibes are way the vibes way are off. bad. Like they might and, just and, blow up. And they don't have to drop off too much for other teams to just be that much better. Yeah. Um yeah. Do you think I, other teams are gonna win 60 games? Do you think any team is going to win 60 games in the West? Because they won 64. Um I don't think so. I, I think it's yeah, way more know, balanced out. You know who could win 60 and then get swept in the first round? The, the wolves. The wolves. 
Yeah. They can, they, if, with the way Ant has come back looking, if you look 240 at the, pounds or whatever. If you look at their team, they could go out and win 60 and get swept in the first round by the Nuggets. <laughs> if you just say, let's just pick a team. Like, they literally yeah. could. Um, I don't know. I I don't think I have the Suns in the top three. I just don't. I just think there's so much drama around that team. Um, Chris Paul looked really bad at the end of that season. His his body just looked it looked done. And he he's only getting older. I'm not saying he's washed, but come on, you you only get older, right? Um I think the Warriors are going to try to go out and prove that they're friends. So they may grab that one seed. <laughs> that they're friends. <laughs> I think it depends on their young players. And um, uh, shout out Fast Break Breakfast podcast. I was listening to them today, and, and I think it was Chuck, the Heat fan, who was saying that it's just like, you know, if they're young guys, Moody, Kuminga, Wiseman are just like good players. And mm-hmm. I agree with this. Like, that's just going to make it all the easier to, to win those games in the regular season. Where, like, I right. think if they look a little bit more raw, maybe they don't win quite as many games. Like last season, they kind of took it easy throughout the regular season, still won, what was mm-hmm. it, 53 games or whatever. So yeah. they should still be a really good regular season team. And I think they're still probably the, the, the favorite right now, even though there's so many contenders at the moment. Right. And I don't Draymond know. Draymond matters so much, though. And that's the thing. Yeah. He matters so much. And so, listen. They better not trade him. I don't think they can. Like I don't think they can. Him, you're giving up a what are you getting back? I don't think that they win. What are you getting back? That's the thing. Not for, someone because and then, where is he going? Let's say they did, right? Where is he going that's going to make such a difference right now? And then what are you taking back? You're not going to get yep. you you're not going to get equal value and I don't really know what Draymond's value is right now. Yeah. His value matters more to, to the Warriors exactly. than to any other team because, like, in order for Draymond to be impactful, you need to have Stephen, Stephen Curry mm-hmm. and you need to have Clay Thompson. You need right. to have the shooting that they provide. And, like, what, what, is he going to anchor another team? Like, what other team needs someone to anchor their championship-level defense that doesn't have that guy right now? Like, what exactly. non-contender? You know what I mean? It just right. it doesn't work. He matters too much to what they do. But I also think he matters in the regular season. Like, he was their, you know, defensive player of the year sort of mm-hmm. leader. And the, re- like they, the reason why they had the number one defense up until he got hurt, and that's why they win a lot of their games. I just don't know that, like, if they're throwing out a bunch of young guys – and they want to, I would imagine, put a minute's load on Stephen Curry. I don't think they're watching, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George just rest up on a bunch of games. You're going to mm-hmm. watch the Lakers do that. And I don't think the Warriors are going to be like, yeah, we're going to go all out, knowing that a championship is really what they're gunning for. Um, so I, I can kind of see them, you know, not being the one seed, but I think they're too good to not be in the top three. Yeah. Um, the Mavs. Hmm. I don't think the Mavs are going to be that high. I don't really. I feel that. I don't really. I don't really understand them. I think Luca is is just. Um, he's going to get you to a certain baseline of like, I don't know. Maybe he's going to. They're going to get to like forty eight wins or something like that. Forty nine wins, and and then they're all going to be you know somewhere in the similar range. But I think the way yeah. that Luca brings up other people's play, the fact that they're getting Tim Hardaway back, they got Christian Wood. Not that that's like a, some huge upgrade over Brunson. I didn't. I think. Them just, you know, not caring about Brunson is was very dumb. You know, he's not a right. world beater or anything like that. But 
those are the types of guys they usually go that are, are thirsting after free agency and they just kind of let them walk to the Knicks, right. which I, I think as a Mavs fan, I, I would be really pissed. But I think uh, Christian Wood is going to look very good next to Luca. I think if Hardaway, you know, can go back to being a, a nice contributor for them, like they're just probably going to be a high a, a high powered offense like they have been for the past few seasons. I think that the main thing for them is their defense holding together because they right. were such a, a good defense last season. And if that happens, I think they're going to be a top four team. They're going to win a lot of regular season games. And that doesn't mean I think of him as a contender. I, I really don't. You know, Luka can take you far. And, you know, he might just take you to the conference finals this season, but I wouldn't bet on it. You know what I mean? Um, well, and it's also teams, like... Though, like the Grizz are tryhards. I think yeah. there's a lot of like tryhard teams. So it was well, really hard to get the, the ordering here. If you, if you look at the Mavs, like who did they really add in the offseason? Christian Wood. Wood. So I don't really... You want to count that. Right. I don't really look at that as like the big win. So I always question yeah. like what are they trying to do around Luca? Yeah. Because at some point he needs to come off the ball a little bit. And he, you know, you they see just him... acquired Facundo Compazzo. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, hey. They lost more than they gained. It, what, see, that's what, what I think. Yeah. That, that's what I think too. So it's, it's like concerns me that like you got this young kid that you basically have to like run into the ground every game to be into the game. Yeah, um, that's going to be the problem. That's why they're going to the like, gas out in the playoffs. Yeah. And then you think that Christian Wood, who, you know, has this monstrous ego and thinks that he should be starting and all these things. And like, you think that this is the guy, um, that's going to come and stand in the corner and wait for Luca to pass him the ball. Like, you know, I mean, I, that, that pick and roll combination should be really nice. Whether he's rolling or yeah. popping for yeah. sure. But it feels like you have to involve him in that action or else, like you said, he's just going to be kind of a, yeah. Um, a stand, a, a, a shooter who's just standing there waiting for the ball. And he's definitely not being optimized that way. I think it's a pick and roll guy. It should be nice. You know, they're just expecting, like, I think Spencer Dinwiddie to fill into Jalen Brunson role and Dinwiddie's cool, man. But, it, that that's why I don't believe in them as a as a playoff team. They should be a good regular season team though, and and I don't know, man. I the T the T Wolves, the Grizzlies, all these other teams here. It's just hard. I I I know I've just been repeating myself with that. There's 16 like legit good yeah. teams yeah. this year. All these playoff yeah. teams that I, that I threw in here. Now that we've got the Lakers out of there, all these 16 teams <laughs> are good. They're just flat out good. No, they they really are. It's 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 it was tough. No, I, I just, agree. Go I ahead, think, Amon. like, personally, like, looking at this, so I had the Suns a lot lower just because I think the Jay Crowder stuff is, like, mm -hmm. what, is he just not going to play? Are they going to trade him? Like, what is going to happen there? They need him. Like, yeah. quite frankly, they don't their, – their depth is not this, like, insane sort of championship-level deep, like, depth. They need someone who can shoot the three and who can guard big wings. Um the situation with Aiden, who knows how that goes? Yeah. Who knows if he's going to be there for the rest of the regular season? So I'm kind of worried about them. I think I agree with you on like, these are the eight teams in the West and we have the eight teams in the East and what their standing is, is kind of a big question mark because so mm -hmm. many of them, the Timberwolves still have to kind of prove it. The Pelicans, we've not really seen them fully, you know, with Zion and the CJ, like McCollum. We just have not seen any of this, that it becomes so many question marks. And the teams that we have seen, like the Warriors, like the Clippers when they're at full strength are just old. And we just imagine yeah. that they're going to be taking their foot off the gas. So like so many things kind of factor That's into exactly. like 
what the standings will look like. Do the Clippers go all out? Do the Warriors go all out? Or do they put their foot on, uh, do they take their foot off the gas? Mm. That's kind of the question. Otherwise, these are the top eight teams. I agree with this list. I just have it in a different order. Right. Um, before we leave this list, and then we'll, we're going to start to wrap it up. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on with the Lakers? They're out of there, man. I think they're making the play. My hot take is one of these eight teams, whether it be injuries, you know, the Grizzlies are like with JJJ being out for the start of the mm-hmm. year, uh, I think is going to hurt them. I think I think the you know, the Suns, who knows what happens to Aiden? Who knows if things blow up? I don't think that they will just because, you know, Chris Paul's definitely in win now mode. Uh, but who knows? I can see the Wizards saying we got to blow things up because we're not cracking. Not only are they not cracking the top, you know, eight, they're not cracking the top (laughs) 10. They're not doing that. So who comes available? Bradley Beal. And will the Lakers come a calling? I think so. Bradley Beal has a no trade clause. He gets to determine where he goes. Could that be a scenario? I just think that the Lakers, the roster that we're seeing at the start of the year is not going to be the roster that we're seeing at the end of the year. I just don't think that that's going to be something that happens, especially when you look around California and you have Joe Lacob paying basically half a billion dollars for his team. I think LeBron James is going to look at this Lakers team and say, you have to keep up with that. And even though, you know, the Lakers owners are broke boys and can't do it. I think (laughs) that that's going to have to be something that they do. I mean, I think they'll make a move. I I mean, I I don't think it's No, they're not trying. They, they, they're not paying that. They're not paying their dreams. They're not paying that. I I think listen, I, I think, think they'll big, make I think a it's move. Gonna be big. I yeah. think it's gonna they're gonna mess around. It's gonna be Buddy Healed and Turner. I'm saying <laughs> yep. That's, that's the one. That, that's I what could, it's gonna I, be. I that still could it. really help. That, I like it, Miles yeah. Turner. I do too. I do too. I mean Buddy um, would be nasty with LeBron. I mean just they need theory, three point right? shooting. Like, yeah. But he's an elite three point shooter, man. Like yeah. they could I they would I think they would kill for for those two guys. But are you giving up you know, your last two picks so far off in the future for those guys. I think for Beal, it makes so much more sense, especially because, like, he's coming off a down year. But that idea is the last straw for Heat fans' misery. Like, just the fact that you floated that on this show because he's, like, the last guy out there. And I think people are assuming that if he waived that no-trade clause, it'd be for here. (laughs) I I honestly think we need to let that man be where he at. Just let him stay where he at. He he's not trying to go nowhere, and that's okay. The most mid situation in the league, right? He's think, not trying easily. to go. I but I I want to touch on and just real real quick. When we gotta stop acting like it's all Russ' fault? That's what I want to know. Fair. When will Twitter stop acting like the Lakers' downfall 
is 100% on Russ. When is this going to happen? That's why they got to make one of these trades. It's like the rest of their roster is just bad. It's just flat out yeah. bad. The Russ trade in itself was a bad move. And I think it's easy to say that now. It was probably easy to say that back right. then. I was not into the move when they did it, just as far as, you yeah. know, for their sense. I was into it, you know, as a Heat observer, Heat, heat fan, right. right? Like, it's not a good chaos. move for them. For the, the chaos. <laughs> exactly. It was a ridiculous like, move. LeBron's out of the playoffs now. Like it's kind of I'm over it already. I want LeBron to be back in the mix. I'm I like I would never want, you know, the Lakers to win another title or anything like that. I'm not rooting for them, right? I don't even need him back in the mix. Can I? I don't know. Uh, Okay, so no. I'm gonna end his career with Russ. Like it's just yeah, I do. I do. No, I I do. As someone who's not a Heat fan, uh huh. As someone who, especially in 2010, like, you know, you guys were the biggest villains in sports at the time. I'm a Raptors fan. I watched Chris Bosh tweet out, where should I go play? Um, and then <laughs> go and join y'all. Uh, so it's someone who brutal. is not that. I, I remember, like, the, the hate that I had for the Heat and the Heatles and the not one, not two, not three. But then 2012 came, and I was watching LeBron play, and I was like, what the? am I doing hating on the greatest player of all? Like, wh- why am I wasting this? Like, there, he's only going to be in the league for so long. And then, like, automatically just became a, he, like, loved, like, anything of the big fan. Um, it just, like, it turned watching him in that 2012 and 2013 season where I'm like, this is the greatest basketball player I have ever watched. I'm only going to be able to watch it for X amount of years. Why would I end up hating what is so great? This team that we're watching right now is a once in a lifetime team. Hating on it makes no sense. And that's kind of how I feel about LeBron James at the end of his career as well. I'm like, he's almost out of here. Like, can I get like one or two more playoffs? Can I get one or two more okay. signature LeBron games? Can I get like, you know, a chase down Blunk in the uh, chase down Blunk? Can I get like a chase down dunk in the middle of the playoffs? I, I meant to say chase down block and now I'm saying dunk. Okay. Y- y'all know what I mean. Yes. But like, can I get a chase down block in the middle of the playoffs? Can I get this like insane dunk? Can I get these like highlighted moments that we have from his Cavs time that we have from his heat time? Can we get that again? In Los Angeles, because he's almost out of here, and I don't know if I'm ready for that chapter to fully close. Listen, but like, yeah, I don't want them to win a Now you know like, LeBron ain't Lakers. even read that book. He ain't even read the second page. He's on the first page. Book. Exactly. <laughs> it, you know the problem that I have at this point because it he needs to cook the groceries that he bought. Like mm. that's just this is where we are. There's a difference between acknowledging his greatness, but also saying, "But you're a journeyman," like. At some point, the road does catch up with you. You're a journeyman trying to collect rings. And as you Remember try to all collect those young rings, players they had? Yeah. So you gave away a lot to get that one that, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that one that you got in LA because there was a couple of people injured on the other side, not playing. Mm. So but let's mm. be realistic. You got your one, you wanted that trade instead of you didn't want DeMar. You decided you wanted Russ. You got Russ. Like Mark would have been bad too. I'm sorry. He would have. But he would have. It wouldn't have though. But he would have been in his natural. He would have played his natural position. That's the but one like thing LeBron, I would say. LeBron needed what he needed was those young guys. He needed the Carusos. He need. Like, you need three point shooting and you yep. need deep. You need defense. That yep. is what you need around LeBron James. It's not rocket science. But you need to sort of yep. build a team around him. We've seen it be done time and time again. Why were the two people on your list 
two guys that can't yep. shoot and can't defend. Why was that it? Like, why yep. are like because it's a flashy name and it's Los yep. Angeles? Yep. No, you needed Caruso. Yep. You needed these young guys on your team. You needed your three point shooters, and you needed guys who can defend. That's why you know the 2020 Lakers. Even if we want to call it like there, yeah, sure, there were issues and sort of like I'm not going to put an asterisk on their championship. They were a much deeper I roster. I don't think <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I don't think that like I don't think the 2021 Lakers or the 2022 Lakers could have ever even competed with those past Lakers teams because the roster. Yeah was just much deeper and now it's just big names that don't make yep. sense around LeBron James. Yep. I mean, if you co-sign you know check. like all the free agents they lost. Again, shout out Fast Break Breakfast cuz they mentioned this, but it's just hilarious to me. I think everybody <laughs> that they let go from this past roster um is not in the NBA anymore and it's very mm. very reminiscent of what happened when LeBron left Miami when um all those guys they had at He <laughs> like vet. He playing. likes vets. He likes to play with all veterans. Gone. Yeah. In 2014, after the oh, left, all of them were gone and no longer yeah. in the league. Well, you that know, that happened, happened, it's in with the Cavs that, too. Happening, that happened yeah. in Cleveland too. Colin Sexton was like, what am I doing with a bunch of grandpas here? And I'm like, J.R. Smith is gone now. Like, yeah. uh, all of the old guys. Kevin like, Love is the only one remaining. And Yeah. <laughs> and he hated Look, basketball and life for two years. Well, listen, shooting is at a premium. And yeah. the, the other thing is, they got there none. is something... <laughs> Well, there's also something no to be shooting, said no defense. for they're not getting people who are raising their hand that's saying, I'm a free agent. I want to go to L.A. Like people are choosing other places to go outside of going to L.A. So there's a lot of things that seem to be happening. Yeah, well, do they have money? They don't have it right now. Yeah, like they don't Where have they any. They just gave up everything for Russell Westbrook. And so I think yep. when people blame Russ, I, like I do think it's unfair. And I think him coming off the bench this season could possibly like, you know, alleviate some, if that actually happens. Are they playing right now? I don't know. Um, but I think that like part of why Russ gets so much of the blame is because people are blaming the trade. People yeah. are saying like, you gave up that for this and look at what this is on your team. And I think that's unfair to Russell Westbrook and what he brings, yeah. but it was a ridiculous move to make. Yep. It never made sense from the jump. It's not hindsight. It's not 2020 vision. It's look at what the teams that have been successful around LeBron James have been and what is Russell Westbrook and how does he fit in mm -hmm. to, to that? He's the antithesis of the type of guy that you bring to play around LeBron James. Right. He does make sense as a six man though. I will say that. Yeah. Like that was just yeah. Darvin Ham, by the way, shout out to him. He might be a top 15 coach all time already, just being able to convince Russ to come off the bench. <laughs> Twitter might have helped with that if Russ has yeah. ever been on there. Uh, it's incredible. Like, I really didn't it. think they were going to be able to do it, especially like the vibes coming off of the summer. Everything like already that happened, I already forgot about it. And somebody brought it up recently um, at Summer League where LeBron and Russ were sitting on the opposite ends of the court, which is absolutely hilarious. Like, it feels like a countdown. Until he's traded, I just don't know that it's going to happen this season. Like it's just it costs. It's going to a lot of money. Them. Yeah, and a it's it's so money. much money to match, and it's going to cost yeah. them at least one first round pick for another team to take it on. So it's yeah. just none of the, the deals make sense. You're not going to get back a star in return. You're not going to get back any sort of requisite talent in return unless you're throwing in those picks that I mentioned before, twenty seven yeah. and twenty nine, or it's like any other team would love to take on those picks for you know the Lakers picks all that. That down the line, like Iman was saying, they're kind of broke boys. The ownership right. is um, the LeBron and AD <laughs> thing is going to come to a close here within the next couple of seasons. 
And I bet those picks are going to be pretty valuable. Like I know they're the Lakers. They could probably just end up, you know, attracting other stars down the line and kind of um, getting lucky again with that stuff because they frankly don't deserve it the way that they've run the organization the past right. decade or so. Um, but those are good picks. And so if they, if they really want to like try to win now or get back into the mix, at least like they got to give those picks up, but that's really all they have left. Cause what they have right now, this roster, even with Russ coming off the bench, which I do think makes more sense. You can just kind of let him do his own thing. Right. Um, I, that doesn't mean it's going to work. Right? right. Like they still have no shooting. They still have no defense. Like I guess their closing lineup is a little better because they have Bev, you know, they have a second year Austin Reeves and you can play <laughs> those guys over us if you want. But how is that going to work politically? Right. Because you could say those guys are better on court basketball fits than Russ. But is that what's going to happen when when it comes right. down to it? Like, is Darvin Ham going to sit Russ? And not that he, again, he's not the only problem. Like, I just think it's going to be really hard to make that work when you're also trying to start a big next to AD. Like the mm-hmm. spacing is impossible to figure out if yeah. you're trying to make that happen. Right. And I just don't think they have the talent around LeBron, AD, and Russ to make that fit work. Like they don't have the shooting. They don't have the defense. It's an unserious team until they mortgage those two picks and finally sell out altogether. <laughs> it's still not going to work. <laughs> All right. We're going to do it. It's not going right. to work. Listen, it might, might be good for an eight seed. Listen, you get your wish. He'll he'll get in there at the eight seed. They'll have this play in. So which team falls out, do you think, Tiffany? Maybe Zion uh, gets hurt. And that it... I'm in his voice in the background. Oh yes, yes. Throw it up there. Throw it up there. We like win it. We just like went in on this. Like I said, it's just a different different order. I still have the Nuggets number one. I think the Nuggets are going to be a really good regular mm-hmm. season team. Like I said, I think you have to have the Warriors top three. Like I just, I have to put that in in them. The Clippers. I think the Clippers are going to be a good regular season team, even with the load management, because Paul George played thirty one games last year, right. and they and Kawhi Leonard played zero, and they won forty two games or something. So like, you know, if Paul George plays sixty plus games, if Kawhi can you know reach that sixty plus mark, yeah. I think that that brings them to at least the sort of fifty ish, you know, fifty three. And they've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of depth. Although I was listening to Zach Lowe today and he was talking to Jeff Van Gundy and he asked, who is the Clippers' third best player? And it was a question I'd never thought of. And Mm. Zach Lowe goes, I think it's Norman Powell. And I'm like, am I out on the Clippers in the the playoffs? Yeah, (laughs) Norman Powell is your third best player. Then that's the issue. Norman Powell was like the eighth best player on the Raptors championship year. And I don't know that he's gotten better at all. So like... (laughs) I was like, what? Because I'm, I'm really high on this team, and I think they have a lot of depth. The problem is a lot of that depth is kind of same-level talent depth, mm-hmm. right? Which is – Norm Powell is good sort of same-level talent to have. It's good to have your guys like Batum. It's good to have these sort of players. But it's right that they don't have that third guy. So Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being healthy is going to matter so much in the playoffs. Right. Uh, and that kind of scared me a little bit hearing them say that because I was like – Oh, that's that's not good. Um, Timberwolves. I'm really high on the Timberwolves team. I'm like to me once again. It's sort of the tiers. I have the Nuggets, Warriors, Clippers as kind of the top three teams. I actually have them as the top three teams in the league, in my opinion. Um, and then Timberwolves, I think, are going to be really good regular season team. That's kind of why I have them fourth. It's very similar to like the Raptors on my end, where I'm like they can jump up, but do I think they're 
in that same tier as those other guys? No, I think they're kind of the tier below, which is why I have them there. Same thing with the Pelicans. Timberwolves, Pelicans, kind of interchangeable to me. I just trust the Timberwolves defense more, which is why I have them higher. Um, Suns, Jay Crowder situation, we talked about it. I just, that, and then the Aiton situation, I don't know. Grizzlies, JJJ injury, I don't know. And the Mavericks, I think they just lost more than they gained. So I have them as my eight seed. Okay. It's interesting, but I could see... I can see the Grizzlies slipping out of there. Mm. There's something about take. there's something about this team that I'm not quite sure about. There's there's something missing. Even even if he if if uh, Jaron Jackson comes back, there is something missing. And like I said, so many other teams have gotten better mm-hmm. that all it takes is, you know a jaw injury and he's out for three to four weeks and you could be completely out of the standings at that point. Um, There's some, there's something there that I don't, I don't know what it is. Not quite sure what it is, but I could see them slipping out and then I could see the Mavericks and the Lakers in the play in. Like I could Mm. see that. I think um, I, 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 for the Lakers to get in over the Grizzlies, I I would be shocked. I'll say that because uh, even though I, I it would be cool, if LeBron could be back in the mix. Like I said, I just don't think this is a roster. And I think the Grizzlies, the way that their young guys stepped up without Jaw on the floor last season, showed me a lot. I kind of felt that way about them before, and and you know they ended up winning fifty six games. They had they showed you something right. in the playoffs as this young up and coming team. I think the the young guys they draft and acquire, um, they have a lot of them now. And all of them kind of fit the bill of, you know, they play like grown-ass men. They kind of have these mature games, and I think those are the types of guys that they like to yeah. draft, and that's why they're able to function without Jaw. And now, I think, to your point, they lose Jaw for, you know, a consistent period of time. I don't think you can just feel great about it, um, especially if it's during the same window of time with Jaren out. I just think that's it's hard to mm-hmm. try to replicate that when teams already know what you're about. Like, I don't think teams are going to – maybe underestimate them as much as they did last year without jaw. I think the Grizzlies right. have shown themselves to be a very good team. You know, they won 56 last season. <laughs> That's a lot right. of damn wins, right? As a young up and coming team who people didn't really have um, going into last season as a real contender or anything like that, even though they, they were this up and coming team, it's just, it, they feel like they're ahead of the schedule. And so that's why I would be shocked that they fell out. Although I do agree with you, you know what you're saying? Like, you know, if you have a couple of things, uh, don't go your way, you could easily fall out. Like, there's so many good teams. I just yeah. don't think the Lakers are one of them. <laughs> I don't they're, think they're, they're – so... I don't think they're, yeah, they're that good. I don't think the Lakers are going to be that good. I just think it's going to be some unfortunate events that may occur that might let them creep up into the standings. Because, yeah, if yeah. you got Ja and, and Jaron Jackson out at the same time, I don't care who those young guys are. If they're facing that gauntlet each and every night in the West, they ain't oh. winning 56 games. Like, that's not happening. Um, or if Chris Paul is is aching throughout the season, you're not telling me one. that Booker's not carrying this team. Like, and they're not deep. The bench is not deep. Crowder's at home. So 
You didn't extend Cam Johnson. There's a lot happening with that. What team. is wrong with them? I just forgot about well, the Cam Johnson thing. Well, maybe they couldn't. Like, what is wrong with Here's them? Here's the other thing. Financially, can they make financially can they make decisions right now? I don't know. That's that. That was my thing. Is like, how, how does it work? What before they sell the team? Yeah. What's the yeah. deal? That's good, yeah, that's a really good question. So, so there's like, a James lot Jones of questions. Is still the GM. Yeah, but he's not the owner. Yeah. So with everything up in I the air right now, I guess they just have now, to postpone it. I don't. I mean, who knows? <laughs> postpone the like, extension. <laughs> Yeah, which is crazy. So, you know, they could be one of those teams with the infighting. You don't have a bench. Chris Paul is older. DeAndre Aiden looks disinterested. This I like that season. pick to fall out. I like that pick yeah. to fall out. That's a good one because Paul There's out of there, lot. the vibes off, no death. I, I I like that one. I think that's even more likely than the Grizzlies falling out, even though they won sixty four last season. <laughs> We're talking about the top yeah. two seeds yeah. falling out of the playoffs. Like, what are we talking? About? It's crazy how good the NBA is. Like, there's yeah. maybe too much parity. Yeah. I'm, yeah, because there's not one team that you're like, yes, they can win it. Any team that wins a champion, it, unfortunately, we're kind of at that point where any team that wins a championship, we can look at it and be like, yeah, it's because, you know, yeah. Chris Middleton was hurt. That's why you made the finals. Or this person was like, right. this. Well, that's why but this you happened. Need those. All same level. Yeah, that's just part of the game. That's just a yeah. part of. But to me, the Grizzlies, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the Grizzlies. That's why I have them so low on my list is just because they were so good defensively. And it's kind of similar to the Raptors where their offense did, especially when Jaw was out, is just crash the glass, get as much as you can. And they mm-hmm. have good, they had you know better shooters, but it's just like, it kind of feels like if Jaron Jackson is gone and you've said it, if Jaw misses any sort of time there, yep. it's going to look kind of scary for them pretty quick. I still think that they're, they're they, they all, like, I don't know how much like losing D'Anthony Melton like is really truly going to impact their trajectory right. of the season. But I do think, if Jaw goes down, especially at any point in the beginning of the season, things can look scary for them, I think, fairly quickly. I agree. Didn't they lose slow-mo? Did. They did lose slow-mo. Yeah. Which I, yeah, they lost they lost people. Uh-huh. Yep. So there's but they did pick up, you know, they, they got that that kid David Roddy. They got Jake Laravy. You know, you got two first round picks. And look what the Grizzlies have done with talent. Yeah. They got Santi Aldama from the Jazz, like in this random Who? low key trade over the summer. Exactly. Exactly. And he's looking like a player for them, like in, in what he's shown so far. Like they just acquire guys and they all it's kind of like sort of a he he didn't wrap this thing, I would say, where like they, they get a lot of playable guys out of you know names that you've never heard of. And they drafted two kind of you know, sort of big name college players, not necessarily, you know, um top uh tier hype or anything like that, but they got two right. legit first round talents. So um I'm I'm basically just giving them the benefit of the doubt. All right. Um, okay. So before we we wrap up and get out of here, um, so we can catch a little bit of this uh Lakers Warriors game. I gotta get these kindred nun jokes off tonight, people. Um I'm gonna check with the producer Brian. Brian, do we have any questions backstage? Okay. Whenever you're ready. What's Jagged Edge? Uh, <laughs> popular R&B group? Ah, uh, got me there. Got yeah. me there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a Kid Cudi poster up there. 
Go ahead, Alex. Um, well, we know the starting lineup. Tyler and Caleb are going to be the other two guys around Kyle, Jimmy, and Bam. I think the bench, we've already kind of seen what Spo is going to go to as far as Gabe coming off the bench, along with Depot, Max Struess, the resurgence of one Duncan Robinson. And well, I think, Depot is uh, out. Oh, well, yeah, my bad. That's right. I forgot Depot yeah. is out tomorrow. So um, I think in his place, that's going to be the one spot that's going to be I, I guess if I had to say who's going to take that spot, it's going to be Jovic. Not positionally, but just who's going to eat up some of those minutes. I think uh, Spo is going to give Jovic a try tomorrow just because you can move the other guys down. And I think you could trot out different lineups where he he makes sense as a fit there. But, you know, with with the season starting, Depot is going to be in that rotation. I think Jovic is going to be the 11th man. And the, the one player I left out was Mechanic. I think he's going to be the backup five to start. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets dealt later on once he becomes trade eligible. You know, if they if they want to make a trade work financially, and then that's kind of when they give Omer the backup five spot. But I'm expecting Deadman to to start. I mean, excuse me, to come off the bench as their their backup five. And I hope Jovic or, or if not Jovic, Jamal Kane gets those mm-hmm. minutes tomorrow. And again, not to come on your show and talk bad about your guy uh, Hamish but I, I really do I mean I'm already more interested in Jovic and Jamal Kane and seeing where they can be because I do think he's solid but like these two young guys have already shown so much right. uh, as guys who can fit around um, the Heat's best players in an up-tempo offense you know have shown stuff on defense especially Jamal Kane, right um, so if I can see if we can see either one of those guys take those minutes um, left by you know the whole depot not being there that would be cool I agree. And Amon, do you guys have your do you have your starting lineup solidified or you think it's there's some moving parts? Uh no, I think it's I think it's going to be the same as last year to a lot of people's displeasure because they want precious starting. Um <laughs> I, I don't know why, guys. Uh I love precious, but uh, I think it's because it's the Raptors. It's just so funny to me. Lineup. Yeah, they're clamoring for precious in Toronto. They they do they because they want they want a center and the yeah. Raptors are going to start their center list lineup. Uh, so it'll what about be Coloco? Colo- Coloco looks good. Coloco is really good in the regulars uh, in the preseason, I should say. Um, but no, he's not. He's not going to be starting for them. Uh, he <laughs> will probably get some spot minutes. I think he'll probably see most of his time for the Raptors nine five this year. But um. I think it's just going to be the, the no center lineup. So that's okay. Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, or Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes at your five. Okay. All right. And um, we will be seeing each other soon on the court. So let's let's keep our eyes open for that. For the, By the we way. Have, uh, yes. Go ahead, Alex. My, my bad. I keep interrupting. It's, it's, <laughs> Two games. You know, just go, going back to my mm-hmm. roots on heat beat, interrupting people and having awful timing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Ethan put me in that set structure in that Mavericks offense I alluded to before. But um, when when Iman mentioned the Heat beating the Raptors and kind of you know in a theoretical uh, playoff series and that being kind of a no brainer, that actually surprised me because I I don't think that's a no brainer. I think that would be a really tough series for the Heat yeah. the way it stands right now, especially with you know the fact that they lost some size and it just made things even all the. The more tough to counteract what the Raptors do, and I think the Raptors could bother the Heat's offense. I think that would be a really tough series, and I might still pick the Heat. But the fact that you put that as a no-brainer was interesting to me, I, I, and, and I forgot to respond to that earlier. 
I think it, it might be a little bit of preseason really having me down on this Raptors half-court offense where I just am struggling to see them go up against mm. any sort of set defense or any defense that I truly trust and be able to like score at all against a team like that. I, I personally think when it comes down to a seven-game series, number one, I think having the best player in a series is means that that team is going to win it more than likely. Right. So the fact that I think that the Raptors will struggle to score against the Heat's defense, and I think that the Heat have the best player in a series, I'm like, yeah, six six games. Give me the, give me Miami. Jimmy Ooh. being a Raptors that game. might change. Right, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy. scored. Now here's the thing, because I, I kept hearing people talk in the regular season about like yo, Jimmy or Demar, Jimmy and this, and I don't want to come on to here and just shit on Demar, which I think I've done like twice already. So this is the third time. I'm so I'm so sorry. Um, Jimmy scored forty points against Demar Derozan in a half, and I don't think that people really truly understand that. Yeah, that like <laughs> he scored forty points against Demar in a half. Like, we talk about Kobe dropping 80 on the Raptors. Jimmy basically did that in a half. Like, it was 40 points in a half, and it was an insane game where DeMar has also, like, you know, light up the Bulls, and Jimmy, it was, they were fun games, but the Bulls, when they were really, really bad with Jimmy at the helm, would just destroy the Raptors in every single game. It was like, you know, if you play the Bulls, it's an automatic loss. It doesn't matter if they have 30 wins on the season, specifically because, you know, Jimmy circles a game with Kyle and DeMar. But also, he's like better would drop – 40 he's better now and he, he's still like I've always just been high on Jimmy because I'm just watching him and I'm like no he's him he is him um and I'm just glad that he gets to do that on a team that's good enough that people can see it in the playoffs and not yeah. just you know regular season games against the Raptors <laughs> 40 well, points and a half you guys don't let anyone tell you DeMar's better don't don't let anyone say that I mean it's not close no I, no I listen it, it's not close I I'm, I'm not even entertaining not entertaining that. But um, I want to say thank you guys for hanging out with me tonight. This has been this has been a, a, a very fun, informative, and it's been a good show. Good people, good company, great guests. Um, Amon, tell people where they can find you. Uh, Dishes and Dimes, we drop every Monday. Also, Yahoo Sports Canada, Basketball News. I'll just have some things all over the place. So, yeah. Okay. Mainly talking Raptors. <laughs> Choppy Baby, where can they find you? You heard, you know, I mentioned it, uh, you know, very intentionally throughout the show. I had to sprinkle it in here and there. Shout out five on the floor. Shout out Ethan and them. Shout out uh, the board wonder, Brady Hawk. And I'm just glad the embargo has been lifted and we can all work together again. You know, it's just it's um, it's amazing. I didn't know this day would come again. But the fact that I can do shows with you guys again, freely amazing. You know, I love it. Great. Uh, just to put this out there, um, Wednesday night, hangover time. We will have a special guest host. It is going to be Lefty Greg, as I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be the host. Uh, tune in also Friday. Alex, what's your post-game show on Friday? Oh, well, the people that we have, we're still trying to figure out who exactly is going to be on the show, but we will have a post-game show. I don't know if that's the best um, marketing right there <laughs> but you know how it is trying to manage a bunch of people's schedules we will absolutely have a post-game show um after friday night's game and you know how it is we're here uh heat beat at five on the floor we're helping each other's out not getting in each other's way this season you know trying to be kumbaya and uh you know uh not compete at the same time just like you know we're, we're gonna pod tonight i mean at that i mean uh there was gonna be a live stream for, for five reasons tonight Ended up calling it off after Ethan realized there was already a, a live show tonight. So 
you know, you got you got up. I'm just appreciating the growth over here, appreciating where we're at. Just so you know, you can find me on the show that Alex doesn't know about on Friday night. I'll be on the Five Reasons post game show. What? They didn't even tell me. <laughs> You're going to be on? Yeah, I'm going to be on. Oh, my God. Nobody even told me anything. That's Yeah. So that's after the game Friday, shoot over the five reasons. That's where you yeah, can I find me. Yeah, I might have me. to jump on. Yeah. Wednesday night, you can find Leif on Hangover Time. Um, for me and my producer, Brian M., I just want to say thanks, everybody, for if you tuned in tonight, because I know you're tuned into the NBA, look for us on Twitch on repeat. Look for us on YouTube. Download the pod. Um like subscribe all those things that the young people talk about do all those things um if nobody told you today you are seen you are heard you are loved thank you Shit, my